My strength and my strength, dex, and constitution were all at fifteen, yep. and my wisdom was at nineteen, and my intelligence and charisma were at ten. Okay. You'll oh, need those. Nice you'll you'll too. need that extra um, dex and strength. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, Too bad he didn't take those ones and went for yeah. something else instead. Like I got the extra health then. <laughs> Welcome everybody to another session of Tomb of Annihilation. Last week we had an in-person session and it was a very action-packed session where you Almost reached... completely in-person. Yeah, almost, yeah, almost, socially distant. Almost completely protocols, guys. We were, so but yeah. you reached the Cobalt Mountains, which was Bolbysaur's uh, place of origin, where he was discovered as a baby and raised by the Cobalts, and this coincided with the quest you were given by Bajarib to. Uh, clear out his ancestral home of Frackhammer of Fire Newts and Kobolds. You managed to accomplish this by uh, allying yourselves with the Kobolds who were being subjugated by the Fire Newts and the young red dragon Cinder being forced to work the forge. Thanks to Bulb being able to make contact with Sned, the leader of the clan, and demonstrate that he was the young baby that the clan had once raised. You were able to incite an uprising against Cinder, the young red dragon. Even so, it was a precarious and terrifying battle, and... Your kobold allies were nearly all extinguished, and sadly, Majarib and Veska were also lost in the battle, and thanks to the death curse, could not be revived. While you did manage to survive long enough that you could have possibly turned your fortune around and pressed the attack on Cinder to finish her off, Ava decided to summon the adult gold dragon Oranax, who flew magically all the way from Waterdeep, and when he arrived, dispatched Cinder with a single blow. As such, you became the heroes of Hrakhamar, saving the kobolds from their subjugation, causing the fire newts to flee into the Valley of Lost Honor, and leaving Hrakhamar ready for clan members of Majaribs to eventually arrive and reclaim their ancestral home. You've had a long rest since then, and you've leveled up. Is there anything you would like to do before you leave Rakhamar and the uh, and the Fireheart Kobolds that now reside here? I would like to see if they have any, like, shields that I can just take. <laughs> One of the kobolds immediately looks up at you, his eyes wide and his ears fully erect, and he barks, yip, 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 yip. He says, we make all sorts of things for fire newts, free to take them as you wish. And he runs off straight into the armory adjacent to the smelting room where you first encountered the kobolds. And... 
comes out with both a wooden, with a large wooden shield and a small metal buckler. And he says, not sure which one you prefer. Sned say druid not like to use metal, so me bring wood one out. Me not like wood one. Would like to smash wood one up for make betting game for for the clicky number ups. <laughs> as 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 fun as that would be, I thank you for the wooden one. And you take the wooded shield, adding plus two to your AC. Awesome. Yeah. I need to add. Uh, I'm just going to get rid of my darts because I never use them and just put a shield there, wooden shield. <laughs> the kobold... Yep. Yep. I was going to say, I want to try and figure out how to incorporate the uh, uh, fire iron scimitar into my staff, if possible. Well, you could do that at the next, um, you could do that at the next rest during the journey, so... Yeah, you're about to leave, Crackhammer. Um, yes. I just uh, want to clarify when you say that holding my staff counts as using a free hand when casting druid spells does that mean i can use somatic spells like yes however okay, cool. it's like, if it's they like... yeah however if it requires two free hands then you'll have to put your shield away yeah, but if it only okay, requires so... one free hand then yeah the hand with your staff as it's a focus counts as a free yeah. hand Okay, so anything that requires hand movements, I can use. Cool, cool. Okay, yep. cool. Although when I use cure wound, uh, my higher level healing stuff, I'll need to put something away. Yeah, your shield probably. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the okay, kobold cool, waits just long enough to see you strap the shield onto your wing, and then he yips again. Yip, yip, yip. And another kobold in the background shouts, Quick, quick, you're missing funny number rock game! And he turns around and dashes out of the room while Sned just stands next to you, slowly shaking his head. The joys of our universe, we inadvertently turn an entire race into gambling fiends. <laughs> yes. It's <laughs> where right now, kids. Um, I want to ask Sned where there would be, like, a resting place, so for fallen warriors. Sned bows his head and he says, Unfortunately, here in Rakhamar there would not be a place for warriors to be laid to rest, but we have laid all the perished kobolds to rest outside in the Valley of Lost Honor, amongst the ruins of the Dwarven Settlement. We have turned this into an honourable resting place for those who have perished. If you would like to erect a shrine there, please, please go ahead. Yeah, uh, Zinhorn would like to go and pay respect to the fallen comrades and kobolds that fought with us against the young red dragon. Yep, so you leave the forge for the great iron doors and amongst the ruined buildings outside, you see uh, 14 freshly dug up, freshly dug mm. patches of earth, grave sites for the 12 kobolds, Veska and Mujarib, who all perished mm. during the battle, and a small, a small piece of granite rock, presumably broken off from the walls inside the fort, has been placed at the head of each of these patches of dirt as a headstone with the names of the fallen carved into the stones, crudely, I might add, 
Veska particularly uh, suffers here as her name is spelled F-E-S-S-C-A-A. Oh my. Points for effort? (laughs) (laughs) You also notice that several of the headstones have had uh, have had things left behind by kobolds paying their respects some flowers and weeds taken from the Valley of Lost Honor and a number of what look like uh, crudely carved dice, in this case pebbles that have been roughly hewn into the shapes of cubes with holes stabbed into each side to represent the numbers. So Zinhorn is going to go along and at each of the, the sites is going to druid craft like a little flower reef and just like lay it and um, say a, a thanks for fighting with us. And as you, as you place the flowers down and give each grave a moment of silence after thanking them, you feel some sort of energy rising up around you. It's a comforting feeling. And it seems almost as if the souls of the departed are thanking you for remembering them. And you gain an inspiration point. Oh, oh nice. Nice. Okay, and now I'm going to ruin that by asking a dumb question. Since this is technically a dwarven place, would they have any armor of any sort? I'm guessing it's unlikely it's going to be better than what I have, but... Indeed they do. What are you currently wearing? I'm currently wearing a breastplate. I was hoping to find something that would at least, uh, if not be better than what I have, at least get rid of the uh, stealth disadvantage I tend to Well, a breastplate is the strongest medium armor. Yeah, I figured, I figured. Um, if you'd like to remove the disadvantage on stealth, you will need a... You'll have to get a penalty on your AC, because you'll have to wear a slightly less strong medium armor. Uh, well... And I don't think you can wear heavy armor. Mm, It might not be worth taking the disadvantage. I mean, it might be worth just keeping the disadvantage as it is. I know, like I said, it was more of a check than anything else. No, I can't go much better. Unless I find something magical, I got nothing. That's it. Yeah. Ah, there is a stronger medium armor. Well, actually, mm-hmm. you're wearing... So you're wearing a breastplate. Hey. Um, so, there is a stronger armor, and the kobolds eagerly show it off to you as it's one of the masterworks in the armory. You can get half plate, which will give you a plus one to your AC, but you will still have a disadvantage. Hmm. I mean, technically, I'll take the extra AC. It doesn't. Okay. The kobolds look at each other and say, This makes a lot of work. You pay. We buy lots of pretty number rocks with this. They look at each um, other as they decide on a price, and then one of them stamps his leg on the ground and goes, Yep, yep, 500 gold! Oh yeah, Bob has no problem flicking the hair, putting that out into him in a nice neat little pong. Mm, here you go. 
So you hand over 500 gold, which is actually cheaper than a suit of half plate would cost on market. This is, I was going to say, this is why I didn't haggle, I figured. That, yeah. You know, they're only going to buy dice with it, I don't give a shit. It would be <laughs> purchasing a suit of half plate such as this on an open market be around 750 800 so you're already getting a good saving so you gladly hand over the 500 gold and take the half plate and the cobalt make some adjustments to it as you put it on to fit your child's sized body and as soon as they're done making the adjustments they high five each other jump in the air and shout and then they run out of the armory to go celebrate with the other kobolds. Uh, it's happy to help. Before we leave, could I just go see what's in the armory? Uh, yes. So you join Bobbit in the armory, and you find this armory stocked with essentially any type of weapon or armor that you could want. None of them magical, but all of them are... All of them constructed surprisingly well, having been made by kobolds. And they're all in great condition. Yep. Any type of ordinary weapon or armor. Non-magical. Okay. Um... Okay, okay, okay. That's fine, I don't really need anything anyway. Um... I was just seeing if there was anything interesting in there. And as but, you're browsing the armory, you notice one of the kobolds is walking around with uh, a little shred of paper and a quill in his hand, conducting a sort of inventory of all the things in the armory. And as you peep over his shoulder as you walk past, you notice he's writing down prices next to each of the items he has listed. And at the top of the page, He's written with a flourish, Fireheart Kobolds, purveyors of fine adventuring equipment. Oh, good. They're gonna, they're gonna live well. Um, can I go up to him and ask him if they were the ones that ever made any weapons with the same material made with the scimitar? And I hold one of the fire iron scimitar scimitars. The kobold looks at it and he shakes his head, and in surprisingly good common, he says, Ah, oh, alas, the fire newts had never uh, taught us how to work the fire iron. After all, if we could construct those weapons ourselves, we could have easily risen up against them. No, unfortunately, our technique, as honed to sheer perfection as it was over the years, was restricted to the mundanities you see around you. Fair, 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 fair enough. Well, it's just uh, actually donate <laughs> our old breastplate, our old breastplate to these guys just for that thrilling, just being there to listen to that lovely <laughs> business. Just puts that down, goes. That could be a gift. There you go. Anyone <laughs> else wants a press, free breastplate? Uh, no. It's metal, so I can't wear it. I figured it's such. Um, uh, Bolt, okay, well. says the kobold. I, uh, yes. uh, have a request of sort. More of a proposal, if you were. He says, mm -hmm. I've heard from Scuttlebutt around the camp that 
you uh, have, shall I say, a growing network of naval craft traveling throughout the Cholton Peninsula. This is correct. I do plan on making it bigger. He says, I would ask, if you are willing, that when we have our first shipment of uh, equipment ready, that we may count upon one of your vessels for the purpose of distributing it to Port Nianzaru and beyond. Ooh, of course. Um, yeah, that, that, that would be fine. Um, I obviously would take, uh, would request that I get a 5% uh, take of your ma um, makings. Please. Earnings, that's the word, thank you. Please, <laughs> says the Quartermaster Kobold with a flourish as he takes a bow. Make it uh, 10% as a personal thank you for allowing wow. our guild, our clan, to rise above slavery and take control of our own future. Oh, well, if, you, if you're okay with that, then sure, yeah, I'll happily take a 10% cut and uh, hopefully I have enough ships to help you transport all you need by then. Lovely. Yeah, too. He says, your ships should be able to dock in Chilku Bay to the south, so transporting the goods should be relatively easily. You will just need to tell whoever is in charge of your fleet to send a ship to Chilku Bay in about, we'll say, five or six days' time uh, for the first shipment. <laughs> Well, it already has the quill and is running back to Port Nianzaru with this information. <laughs> oh, it's helping! Yay! Well, but it seems that you are quite taken with helping me with this. How would, would we say we make this official and you get... I uh, hire you as part, a shareholder of my company and say, oh, I don't know... 7% of the profits? Bobbit just looks and looks just this innocent looking smile going, Bobbit sure we can renegotiate <laughs> later. <laughs> Plus Bobbit already thought she was hired, I mean, you helped me, she... You yes, well, make it a... Sure. Get the job. Oh. Yay! We'll work on this later. <laughs> and as Bobbit quickly hashes out these new terms with, uh, with, with Wakanja and the other merchant princes. Uh, I would actually like Bulb to please roll 2d... Would like Bulb to roll 2d20s. You may add plus one to one for your sloop and plus two to the other. Okay. Uh, now I'm nervous. Are we getting paid? Uh, oh, fuck. That's an 11 and an 11. Alright. No, oh, I don't like that. Oh, I got roll 2d20. Fuck! It is with regret that you are informed by the merchant princes that both of your ships, the Good Fortune and the newly acquired pirate sloop, 
both uh, did not fare very well in recent engagements. Indeed, your sloop was sunk and was unrecoverable. I have one inspiration. Can I re-roll? <laughs> or is it too late? <laughs> too late. Inspiration can be used for... The crew of the sloop were rescued, and there were no losses, but the ship was lost to the depths of the sea. The good fortune, luckily, was not sunk, but sustained quite a bit of damage. And so, after having some repairs done, the next bounty it takes uh, will be used to pay off the repairs and to replenish any crew members who were lost. Uh, yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. These two dice are going in jail and not getting used for the rest of the session. <laughs> <laughs> they have failed you. Jobal <laughs> then asks you if your orders remain as is. Would you, after it finishes repairs, would you like the good fortune to continue to hunt sloops, or will you be sending it down south to Shilco Bay to pick up the Cobalt shipment? I would like to change its orders to helping the Cobalts. And then as soon as helping the kobolds is done, go back to hunting sloops. Jabal says, and if any pirates are encountered along the way, would you prefer the ship to engage or avoid contact? Before I respond, because I'm guessing this is happening next to the clerk yep. that was asking about it, I ask him... Do you have any kobolds skilled in hand-to-hand -hand combat who would potentially like to try their hand at naval fighting? He thinks for a moment and he nods and he says, Kobolds are not the most seaworthy of races, but I'm sure I could find some whelps or hatchlings who are ready to uh, uh, try their fortune on the high seas. I like this guy. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so do I. Uh, well, if you can find, say, 20 who would be willing to go, uh, we have an opportunity to hunt pirates on the way back to Port Nianzaru, and, well, that is their primary business at the moment. We'd would you feel comfortable with the ex extra crew potentially fighting a couple of smaller ships? He nods. He says, well, I would feel a lot more comfortable with members of the clan keeping an eye on the merchandise. Consider it a done deal. Okay. Really, really smart. We'd um, donate the collapsible since I don't think we're going to get much use out of the foldable boat. We should probably put that in just they can hand that off to when the rest of the um, ships turn up, so we have an extra ship automatically in the fleet. Are you sure you'd like to donate the foldable boat? Yeah. Well, I mean, we can hold on to it for now. It's just a suggestion. Just yeah. For well, future business. Uh, Mr. Clerk, as you don't have a name. He holds out his you... hand and says, uh, Jap Jap. Uh, oh, uh, <laughs> um, do you think you could find enough crew to crew this? Uh, bo uh, Bobbitt's uh, sleep? It's a question. It was, it was my suggestion. We don't have to... He you know, thinks, uh, and he says, I think 20 
would be enough for the time being to help crew your ship, but perhaps on the next delivery, uh, tales of their daring adventures on the sea might have inspired several more young whelps to uh, try their luck. Well, Bobbit, what if we leave the collapsible boat here with the kobolds and when hopefully this voyage is successful and the voyage comes back and potentially more kobolds are joining they if they have enough can add the ship to the fleet always up to you of course as the foldable collapsible ship is your property hmm. what can i get for this <laughs> Mm -mm, well, money, or if there's a specific thing you would like the kobolds to make for you. They seem to be quite skilled at the forge, having been forced to do it for 16 hours a day for the last several years. That is true, I'm just trying to think of what I could possibly work with that. I mean, I already have better armor, I don't believe shields get improved for some weird reason in this game. Um, yeah, that'll be hmm. next campaign where I'm going to introduce different shields because I don't like how there's only yeah. one type. And... They do have a shaman. There may be a chance that they could help you with combining your stuff. Hmm. Although that being said, you will need to convince Mr. Stick not to kill them. I'm sure if I mention that it's going to help make him powerful, he'll jump at the chance since that seems to be the only his thing voice drifts into your mind mm -hmm. and he says absolutely not i shall not have <laughs> i shall not have these dirty cobalt paws all over me thank you <laughs> <laughs> you just see a bobber come back again okay no more extra power for you then you're lost <laughs> my luck they'd probably chop me up and turn me into Bloody dice or something. <laughs> you just see Bob still look down and goes, yeah, I don't, Bob doesn't think he's interested. Hmm. Okay. I really honestly can't think of anything. It's not like Bob really needs more money at the moment, even after spending the 500 on the uh, better armor, so. Well, hmm. says Jup Jup. Shall we say, then, that the Wormheart clan knows you a future favour, that if you find exotic materials, or have anything, shall we say, out of the ordinary that you would like constructed at an unspecified point in the future, I would be happy to put some of the men to task on it. Okay, that I, that I, you know, Bubba's just sort of sitting there thinking and just eyes gleaming a little bit with just ideas going, hmm, that sounds fair. It's a shame that I don't really know much on magic, otherwise I'd try and see if I can get that dragon scale put with my shield, but I'll settle, happily settle for a future deal. I mean, you could ask them to do that now if you want. Ooh, actually, yeah, Bubba's actually going to fumble through her pockets and pull out the dragon scale and hold out his shield going, is there anything you guys can do with this? Bob's hoping to try and get it put together, so fire isn't as big of an issue in the future. He says, hmm, we have a few artifices in the clan. 
I believe we may be able to do something, at the very least. He snaps his fingers, rips your shield off your off your arm, and two kobolds come into the armory and carry it away. And as you spend the next hour or so hashing out details of this deal, the two kobolds come back with your shield, and the dragon scale has been expertly weaved over the front of the shield. Jump, jump, <laughs> hands it back to you, and he says, And it is done! This shield will now grant you resistance to fire damage if you were oh, using it. If you don't have yeah. the shield equipped, it won't. You won't be able to use it. I mean, I usually almost always have the shield equipped, so that works for me. Yep. Well, actually, how it will work is when you're hit with some sort of fire damage, I'll ask you to do a deck save, and if you pass, you'll get resistance. That'll represent uh, you quickly getting the shield and pushing it in front of you. Yeah, so remember, enough, this is enough. a tiny child-sized shield, so. Just having it on your arms probably yeah, not going to I'm, deflect. But I'm a tiny fan, but I'm also a tiny child-sized child. Well, that is true, that is true. <laughs> but I'll... Yep, fine. I'll it's just... Bad, look, it's better than nothing. Because shields don't usually have resistance, is the thing. So... Yeah. Because, um, yeah, you sure. know... Because they're not... They don't cover your whole body, so... Mm. I'll get a roll uh, for you to quickly move it in the direction of the oncoming flame. This is fine. In. Um. Uh. Yes. Uh, out of character question. The shield that Angus had was that a legendary shield, or was that it was just a, like a? That was a legendary shield. shield. Yeah. That was a legend. Okay. Yeah. Wait, the animated shield was legendary? Actually, no. It was very rare. Yeah. Very yeah. rare. Very rare. Very rare. I'm guessing the artificers can't make a shield no, like that. They, <laughs> no, none no. of them. They're, they're, they've just recently stopped being slaves. No, they fair. could probably make an uncommon item for you, but anything beyond that looks like it would be on, they'd be on their capabilities. No, that's fair. That's fair. And of course, um, Bobbit yeah. got this one for free, but Jup Jup sternly looks at you and ensures you that if any other uncommon items are to be made, you will have to pay. Oh no, of course. <laughs> I wouldn't have asked for free. They've yeah. already agreed to a 10% <laughs> cut from their earnings, so... And so, with that, with a new business deal hashed out, you decide that time is wasting, so Lucian is looking even more, perhaps even more pale than the day before. Perhaps the death curse is getting worse, or perhaps it's just shock that two of his two of his travelling companions were extinguished, along with him very nearly in the battle against Cinder. But you decide to make to continue the journey across the Valley of Lost Honor. Oh, I they're gonna put him over. down or something. Yeah, they might, but no, you're getting close <laughs> no. to curing the death plague, so you're gonna yeah. soldier on. Yeah, we're not killing off the tanky. Hello, Vet. I've got a Sir Lucy in here. It's a bit sick. What can we do about him? Good <laughs> <laughs> And so, you bid the Wormheart Kobolds farewell, and you set off into the Valley of Lost Honor, walking along the ruined dwarven road that's buried under a thick layer of dirt and volcanic ash. Volcanic ash, the jungle tree line flanking you on either side but 
out here in the valley, free from the humidity of the jungle. The walk is quite pleasant and quite pleasant and not particularly physically strenuous. Who's going to do the survival check? It will only be a plus four this time. Huzzah. I was going to say, isn't it? Ava's slightly higher, or are we just working with... Yeah, yeah just working with your guide, right. but Ava's not yeah, here, yeah. so... I'm going to go with the guide. Hey, survival? Yes. Is it? <laughs> yeah, I've got a plus eight on survival. Oh, well. Wow. Would you like to make the check then, and Salida will assist you, giving you a roll with advantage? Oh, yeah, plus eight because I have a plus, like, a, I've got great wisdom. Yes. Ah, well done. And I'm proficient in survival, as yeah. my, um, my background of Wanderer. Ah, nice. Yep, well, you've lost one guy, you're replacing him with Zinhorn. Just fine. remember, Smithy, that if you are doing the navigating, though, you can't do anything during yeah, the short rest. that is correct. Yeah, no, that's, yep. that's fine. That is yep. a... And um, 13 plus 8 is 21. Salida seems perturbed by the loss of Mujarib. She's not used to having to work on her own, as throughout this entire journey there have been two guides, but when Zinhorn demonstrates that he's quite skilled in navigation on, on his own right, she quickly relaxes, and the two of them blaze the trail forward through the valley, and the journey is uneventful. Who would like to make the encounter check? Um, I will. Go ahead, go I'm ahead. It's a loaded you, weapon. You, Don't you, do you, it. You, yeah, so you definitely do it. I'm good. Four. Four. No encounter tonight. Will you be consuming a ration or will you be foraging? Um. So can I just ask... Uh, does this sort of thing include like foraging that come in under the short rest? Because well, yeah, um, it's yeah. Well, my wanderer ability. I've just read it through. It says in addition, you can find food and fresh water for yourself and up to five other people each day. Ah, oh, well. Um, so yeah, if you weren't if you weren't yeah. navigating, it's okay. There's plenty more hex crawling to come in the next yeah, act. But um. um so if you weren't navigating today, you could use your background ability to find food, but otherwise you were busy navigating today. So when yeah, right. when the party makes camp, you are tired and just want to rest. So yeah, that's all good. Just want to check because I yes. yeah I just read that before. I'm like, why? <laughs> but you could do that the next that's day okay. if you like. So I assume Bold we'll will be foraging. Well, I actually wanted to ask: Would I be able to forage to try and gain more? Um rations than we use like so basically we eat a ration tonight but i go hunting for like a deer or something and try to make multiple days of rations that might be possible but it depends entirely on what you find in the jungle as you know yeah. from this journey foraging isn't particularly reliable you usually only find enough to last you the day and sometimes yeah. nothing at all so so could I say that I go hunting and then see what my results are and then Yep, decide? and will you be taking Bobbit with you? If I take Bobbit with me and I hunt a big deer, I'm guessing half the deer is going to go to Bobbit. 
But oh, that being geez. said, that being said, I also get I'm also getting help with the hunting. Um, yes. Yeah, I'll take Bobbit to help me. All right. And Bobbit is a happy Bobbit. So you <laughs> may do a survival check, and I'll ask Bobbit to do a perception check with advantage. Oh boy. Damn it. Uh, with my passive perception, can I see tracks? Um. Well, that's what the survival check was for. Yeah. Uh, the 15. Ah, oh, well. So what did nice. you get on your survival? My survival ooh, uh, is a 14. Okay. So, after a short after a short session of foraging, you both stumble upon strange tree stumps with cyclops faces. Each stump yeah. has 12 branches that hold red cyclops fruits, which, Bulb, you know from your studies, taste like bananas mixed with strawberries. The branches oh. are animated and wave the fruits in complex patterns in front of you like a fast-moving model of a constellation. As you draw near the stumps, the cyclops' eye opens and watches. And when you were standing in front of the stump, the stump's mouth silently opens and its tongue hangs out. Is this like a trade thing? Do we have to give it something so it gives us the fruit? Uh, let me check what I actually have though to see if I have something to, that I can trade. Um, sitting underneath the branches with their hands out waiting. Yeah. I'm not really sure how this works. Um... I don't really have anything that's... Can I give it a dinosaur scale? You take a, dino a dinosaur scale on You take tongue. a dinosaur scale and place it on the stump's tongue. The tongue retracts, the mouth closes, and the face smiles, and then the stump holds out its branches allowing you to pick your fill of Cyclops fruits. Hey, that's how I get rid of my unwillingly given dinosaur scale. Nice. <laughs> that worked. Solid. Okay, so... You take I the... pick yep. as many as I can carry. You pick as many as you can carry, put them in your bag, and then follow Bobbit further into the jungle to maybe hunt some meat. Hopefully enough that you'll be able to preserve it for days to come. There isn't much in the way to be found, unfortunately. After spending a couple of hours creeping through the jungle, listening and watching Bobbit look from left to right as her ears perk up at several points and following her, you spot a lone axe beak staring at you from beyond the tree line. And as soon as it notices you are there, it opens its beak and makes a screech and runs directly towards you. Can I use my mask to do animal friendship? Ah, uh, yes you can. Uh, what is animal friendship? Is it a wisdom save on its behalf or is it, it just is. automatic? Uh, um, it fails its wisdom save and no. the axe beak who is charging at you with his sharp beak pointed straight forward stops charging. He stands in front of Bobbit. He tilts his head and purrs. 
and then he raises his right leg and a stream of urine arcs out from underneath him onto the front of Bobbit's armor. <laughs> when do I have to roll to break this thing's neck? <laughs> I was going to say, while it sits there docilely, I shoot it in the head. But <laughs> no, you, you leave it alone. This is mine now. <laughs> Bobbit, please make a strength check. That's a 17. You look down at the yellowish urine dripping down uh, the front of your armor, and then you see red. You leap at the axe beak, who gives the slightest token effort to struggle, still purring as he tilts his head and stares at Bolt. And then you clasp your hands around its neck, and there is a snap as you snap its neck and the great bird falls lifeless <laughs> to the ground. I was going to say, it's probably a good thing Bob wears a mask, it's just the look of utter irritation on a 12-year-old's face would have probably been slightly adorable, just a small pout before she just goes up and violently breaks this thing's neck. Please make a... Just prestidigitation on his <laughs> yeah. and just go... Please make a wisdom save with disadvantage, Bobbit. Aww... Oh dear, that's a, that's a five. As soon as the beast hits the ground, you bare your teeth and growl, and Bulb, before your eyes, Bobbit violently tears the axe beak to shreds with her teeth, and when she is done licking blood off her lips underneath the mask, there is little left of it other than bones and feathers. Actually, I was going to say, Bob's the only one that's seen Bob without her mask, so she probably took it off while she was actually <laughs> <Yep>. in this. <laughs> so it's just, Bob just sort of stops, looks, and just goes, I got carried away. Sorry. However, after, as Bob sighs and looks over at the Dis utterly destroyed Axbeak to see if there's anything worth foraging, you do catch sight of something in the tree line behind it. You part some of the foliage, and you find a nest full of large eggs. There are at least oh no! a dozen. Each one oh. would serve as an adequate meal for a single person, and these three... and these twelve eggs would probably serve serve as enough food for the next uh, three days. Or the next two days of travel as there is six of you. Two days of these eggs and then I've got enough food from the fruit to last today? Tonight, yep. So two more days of... So you may add two days of rations to your total. Okay, okay. well you were keeping track of our total, yes. weren't you? Yep. Yes. So, yeah, um... There's now 28... Yeah, I'm just gonna have the fact that I just orphaned these poor eggs that we're now about to eat. I have a casual smile on face going, I will be haunted by my actions forever. <laughs> <laughs> You're weird, child, but okay. <laughs> I. Yep. I help Bobbit take them back. Yep, and Bobbit, when you return to camp, you've eaten so much and had your fill that after enjoying your share of the roasted fruits for dinner, you retire to your tent and immediately fall asleep, unable to do anything this night. Oh, thank God. <laughs> the next huh? day, 
you wake up, pack up your tents, and continue once again along the half-buried dwarven road. Who would like to... Will Zinhorn navigate again, or will you leave it just up to your guide to navigate today? Well, we've got plenty of... We've got the extra rashes, so I don't need to worry about my additional yeah. bonus. So I'm just could... hoping that we don't take a month in Onu unable yeah. to scavenge. Yeah, because yeah, remember, you'll be eat, you'll need these rations when you're in the Tomb of the Nine Gods, so... Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. then it's a wasted good berry each yeah. day. Yeah. Um, is, which means, also, it's not the end of the world, because both Smithy and I, and I believe cast, even Ava... Can all cast can, good berry, yes. Can all cast good berry. It's mm. just, I would like to try and give us as many days with yeah. full spell slots as possible. That's a good idea. So do you want me to use my scouting or my survival or my... Well, you have 28 rations, which is a lot, for, so... That being said, I do want to try and do my ritual tonight, so yep. I won't be able to forage tonight. So Very can, well. I can so do the foraging. Maybe, just, maybe just considering we're not far off, maybe we just work with services on this one. Maybe yeah. Unless we can use Ava's... No, well... No, well, she's not here, so... Yeah, exactly. yeah, I don't have her sheet, so... Um, um, okay, so Salida will attempt to track on her own. Zinhorn, you point out the road and you tell her, all you have to do is follow this, okay? And she just looks at you. She just looks at you with a glare and she says, I think I know how to track. I've been doing this the entire journey. It's my job, oh, after no. all. No, no, Let me no, believe no, it's in that one, and it was actually Majara the entire time. <laughs> yeah. I was say, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of hoping she fails down just for the sass on that one. <laughs> so who would like to make uh, the check for Salida? It will be a d20 plus 4. Oh, M1, because he has really good luck of his dice. <laughs> Very yeah. well. Because as he's saying that, minor uh, upgrade for Bobbit, she's actually swapped out the uh, goblin war mask she was wearing with the uh, disguised self mask that ah, yes, Bob kind of just let her, yeah, let her have. decide to let her have. Yeah, so just the nice plain porcelain mask now. Because, you know, that only makes it look even more adorable and definitely not creepy. <laughs> How is it? We yeah, he's, he yeah. is. So, D20 plus 4. Oh, wait, who's rolling? You, you, hey, you're yeah, doing the survival like, check here. You want me to roll? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just sort of shut up in the background and we're talking. I've got 14. 14, yeah. that is enough. Yeah. Salida seems to know where she's going. After all, all she had to do was follow the dwarven <laughs> road. And so she oh, leads... Lucky I pointed that out for her. <laughs> follow the dwarven road. Follow, 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 she follow, leads follow. you further through the Valley of Lost Honor. The walk is uneventful, save for a minor dust storm that buffets you around midday. Who would like to make the encounter check? Not me. <laughs> Being said, if we come across a dinosaur, rations for days. Okay, yeah, I might as well try my luck today. Go ahead. That's a 12! That means there's something No encounter today! <laughs> You wait until the storm of volcanic ash passes and pitch your tent in the shadow of an overhanging cliff face. 
And then, Bobbit, would you like to go off and hunt? Or will you consume, or will you allow the, will you consume rations, which means the party will consume double rations? Well, am I doing my, my uh, Wanderer's bonus? Ah, oh, well, yeah, you, would you like to find food? Yes. Well, you can find food for everyone, but Bobbit will still need to source her own food because of the lycanthropy. But that means yeah. if Bobbit wants to eat a ration, it'll cost just one ration. Oh, that's handy. All right. Well, I can. So after can do after the camp is pitched, Zinhorn gets up and silently vanishes into the jungle and he returns about an hour later his arms laden with all sorts of fruits and nuts which he just departs which he just deposits next to the campfire complete with full water skins and he pours out the water skins and some and he's accrued clear sparkling water from somewhere in this jungle which is a rarity normally you've had to make do with old stale water or dirty jungle river water that's had to be boiled for half an hour before consumption and so your ration count goes down to 27 as Bobbit eats an entire party's share of rations all her own Yay! No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> would anyone uh, like to do anything overnight? I would like to try and do my druidic ritual to make my staff into more of a scimitar pistol by um, combining the one of the iron, uh, the fire iron scimitars onto my staff, which will be shortened down into, like, a pistol. Yep, so you will actually require Bobbit to help you with this, with her artifices uh, okay. tools. Bobbit? Uh, okay, yep. I was going to say, you... You, help me, yeah, you help me with mine, uh -huh. I'll help you with yours if you help me with mine. Mm -hmm. oh, good to me. It'll have to be done on a different night, though. Yeah, I know, thing, I know. So I'm just it, saying, Bobbit, yeah. will you consent to spending this night assisting Bob with his staff? Yeah, Bulb wants help. I help Bulb. Okay, so I would ask Bulb to please make an Arcana check. The DC will be 18. And Bobbit, please make an Ar uh, Tinkerer's Tools check. The DC will be 18. Oof. This will be fun. Oh, what's my Arcana now? My Arcana now is a plus 5. Because uh, it's intelligence, of course, it's intelligence. Ooh, I rolled 18 plus 3, so that's 21, so I've covered my end. Yep, you've covered uh, your end. I'm going to use my last inspiration point. Yep. Uh, oh, that was an 18 exactly. Ooh. I rolled a 13. <laughs> so, Bob, you meditate over your staff and briefly absorb its magic into your hands to maintain it, while Bobbit takes the staff and, using her tinkerer's tools, cuts the staff down until only the top of it remains, discarding the rest of the wood. Bobbit <laughs> then... I keep all the discarded wood. Yep. <laughs> Bobbit then takes this head of the staff and using her tinkerer's tools fashions it into into the hilt of a sword 
she takes the blade of the fire iron scimitar and attaches it to the edge of this hilt and then hollows out the interior of the hilt inserting a long metal tube to serve as a makeshift gun barrel and manufactures a small clockwork mechanism to serve as the trigger and firing mechanism. When this is done, you place your hand onto the weapon and restore the magic. Your staff is now a scimitar. It can no longer be used as a staff. It may only be used as a scimitar. It may be used as a pistol. However, due to the size of the hilt, it is only able to hold one round at a time. And so every time... Doesn't it still have... Bobbit's it reloading. Does. That is correct. It does. So yeah. So no, it, there's no limitation. You could, <laughs> however, it can still only fire one round at a time. Oh, yeah, so you can yeah, only fire yeah, at yeah. a maximum of once per okay, round. Fair, fair. However, you will not, you will not need to use an action to reload it. Yep. Cool. Yeah, just like the duality of like you doing this whole like meditative sort of thing with nature, and it's just bombing the background like an angle grinder just going at this stuff. <laughs> So now it is a scimitar. Yes. And after this session, I will rearrange all my notes so it actually makes a lick of sense to me. <laughs> the sun comes up the next morning, and you all awaken to see Salida standing on the edge of the camp, looking out onto the valley as she plots your route out of the valley and into the jungle towards Omu. She sees that you're awake and urges you to quickly pack up the camp. And then, as soon as you're done so, without a word, she begins strolling down the dwarven road, disappearing into the tree line ahead. I would like you to please make a survival check for Salida, D20 plus 4, unless Zinhorn is navigating. Uh, I can take this one. See what oh, I get? I wish. Oh, I was going to say, I wish I could roll for that. Oh. See, this would be great. A, a 2 plus 4 would be great on an encounter roll. The actual survival roll, that's. No, that's bad. That was a 6. That was a 6? Okay. All you had to do was follow the damn road. She follows the road, and you will not end up lost in an adjacent hex. However,. There are several portions of the road that are destroyed, buried under rubble and lost in fissures. And rather than trying to find a way around, Salida just leads you straight through this. Meaning that you will each require an athletics or acrobatics check to get through this portion of the valley. Okay. The DC will oh. be 16. Uh, 17 athletics. Would great. 17 would have been great a minute ago. Yep, athletics or acrobatics. Uh, that is an 18. An 18. I've got 13. 13. Oh, yep. How did uh, Bob go? How did Bobbit go? Uh, none that 20. And how did Sir Lucian go? Wait, I know. How, athletics. Seven, seven, okay, so Sir <laughs> Lucian and Bol, you find navigating this portion of the valley to be quite difficult, and at some point you suffer a dangerous fall and take 
six points of bludgeoning damage. If it's falling, can I make my acrobatics check to try and hover in place? Ah, uh, yes, you may. And you'll halve the yeah. damage in that case. Yep, just to explain it, uh, because I'm an owl folk, I've got nimble flight. Yes. When falling, can use a dex save. Uh, DC 10 to stop falling and hover in place. So it's yep. just dex save. Which I still failed anyway, so it doesn't fucking yep. matter. Jesus Christ. <laughs> So, you see Sir Lucian plummeting down into the chasm, and you try to righten yourself, but you end up landing on your back right next to him, and it takes the party the best part of the next hour to safely recover you both from the chasm before you continue on. Who would like to make the encounter check? And there will be a plus one on this encounter check due to uh, Salida still doggedly leading you through this more dangerous part of the valley. Uh, who else would like to? That is a one plus one, so that is a two. Oh, yeah. No encounter Cassius, today. Natural one. one. <laughs> 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 so, in the late afternoon, you leave the Valley of Lost Honor behind, are once again swallowed up by the Cholton jungles and arrive in the vicinity of Omu. That damage you got, you just, yep, you, you all just get a long rest as you reach your destination, oh, so, yep. Yay. So, all cool. in all, a rather uneventful journey. Cool. Okay. Now I'm just going to double check all my spells, make sure that they're useful. I still like to try and upgrade my stuff, although I have to have a question for Mr. Stick. It's been kind of bugging me lately. Yes, what would you like to ask him. Mr. Stick? Hmm. Well, while she's not a big fan of talking to him, she does sort of just clap up at one point and go, Can I... I would ask you a question. Speak, child. See, you told Bobbert when to come here to seek you at Mesro, but you never mentioned anything about Omu despite the fact that you were here. You also never told us how to get to Omu, and if you were here, you could have just done that from the start. Why didn't you? Very personal. Is this another one of the? Oh, I was gonna say, is this another one of your, you know, grumble, I am evil, ha 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 things that try and mess with me? Very pertinent observations, child. Yes, I had my own reasons to direct you towards Omu, but I did not know the precise location of the city. And now that we draw near, perhaps I will find what I'm looking for. And if I do, then so do you. Receive your but, answers. But you just said you weren't in Omu, yet all these other people that we've talked to and prophecies all said that you were. Exactly, child. Sense? He just says, exactly, child. Mm. <laughs> It is not night yet, so you won't get to um, you won't get to recover your staff. The long rest is sort of an automatic thing that happens as you reach your destination. Um, like you don't get to do anything during that long rest because it's oh, we're finally out of the jungle. Everyone's just passed out for twelve hours, type thing. Fair enough. Um, and so you draw nearer to Omu. The Forbidden City. The jungle 
parts to reveal a dead city enclosed by sheer cliffs. Ruined buildings and stone boulevards rise like ghosts from the floor of the misty basin. Colourful birds glide overhead. A waterfall pours into the basin, creating a swollen river that floods much of the city before draining into a deep rift filled with molten lava. A ruined palace lies a few hundred feet from the edge of the steaming abyss. As you stand on the cliffs surrounding the city, you have quite a good look down into the once sprawling metropolis. Is there anything you would like to do before you enter? Uh, can I do a photography check of the area? Yes, you may. Please do a cartographer's tools check. I like making maps. That's a nat 20. I, I see all, I write all. You perch on the edge of the cliff, sitting on the edge of it and looking down into the city with a parchment and your cartographer's tools in hand, and you draw a rough depiction of the streets laid out before you and mark down any locations of interest that you can see. First, an old gatehouse right in the entrance of the city. Second, a ruined campsite enclosed within four stone walls. And third, at the very northern edge of the city, an amphitheatre resting against the cliff face. Hmm. As, you, as you watch Bobbit mark down the, the locations in the city that seem interesting, you all feel a sort of static electricity hanging in the air, some force of magic causing the hairs on your arms to stand upright and the skin on your face to tingle. Mr. Stick's voice echoes in Bobbit's mind. Yes, I could sense it, and you can too, can't you? The Soulmonger's influence hangs in the air, and beyond that I could feel... Yes, interesting. Young Alessandra, it is time to make good on your promise. I have a favour to ask of you. Oh. <laughs> it's going to come, but... Oh. Mm. Fine, what, what are you after? In this city, somewhere, is another me, an imposter. I wish to locate them, but after they have been located, you must do nothing until I direct you to do so, until I fully understand the implications of his existence. And why he is here. Wait, how, how is there another you? Have, have I ever heard of this one? Is he the one that's been talking to me as well? Or has it just been you? We why are, is there another you? He says, we are different, yet the same. And I cannot explain exactly how. This is why, if you were to locate this imposter, I ask that you sway your bloodlust and that of your 
companions until I fully understand. Furthermore, I feel that our path will inevitably bring us in front of the soul monger. When the soul monger is found, I ask that you do not immediately destroy it, and that you what? prevent your companions from doing so. That's the whole point of us coming here. There is something I wish to do with it first. What, what, what do you want to do with it? Never you mind, Alessandra. Just no, 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 no. We're not doing the never you mind stuff. You have been avoiding all of Bobbitt's questions this entire time, and the ones you don't answer, you lie about. This make, isn't fair. Make a persuade check, please, Bobbitt. <laughs> Bob Bobbitt is not happy with this plan. Any of this plan. There's a fifteen plus seven, sir. Mister Stick says this other me that resides in the city. If he is who I suspect him to be, then we share the same soul. In essence, we are two halves of a greater whole. And if the soul monger has power over souls, I would use it to reunite the two wholes and enforce the will of my personality over his. Bubba will... will try, but she can't promise anything. You need only try, Alessander. Just remember, there is something in it for you. I've made headway on that... deal that you foolishly negotiated with the Babao. Mm. See, everyone else is probably just watching Bob and seeing me looking like she has the most annoying head yeah. ever. Yeah, would anyone like to comment? <laughs> like, well, I mean, it's under the mask, but Bob's just not looking good at the moment from what you can see. Oh, can guess that a conversation with Mr. Stick has not gone well, but he will, uh... Execute the little test and see if Bobbitt has learnt from the past. Do we hear her talking to uh, this Mr. Is in, Dick? This is all or... in her head. Okay, yeah, it's cool. all in her head. All you can tell is that she's like staring intently at the stick with her face screwed up in frustration. Yeah, again, which is really hard to tell considering, you know, she's wearing, yeah, a, mask wearing a mask. So it's probably just like little so things probably like just be Bob. It'd probably around. just be Bob just... who could tell. No one wants to question on this. Yeah, Bulb is uh, just Bulb is making it a teachable moment. Uh, Bulb is more seeing what she's doing, hoping that she has learnt from the past. And you just see the, that uh, she can come and ask for help if need be. So, say, has the conversation ended at this point? It has, yes. Because yeah, Bob at, at the end of that, you just see a stone Mister Stick behind her, like its holster behind her back and is just sort of stamping and muttering to herself and just goes, uh, we might have problems, but you can't be mad at Bobbit for this. Go on, child. What? 
would everyone think if there was more than one Mr. Stick? You have another staff that can talk? Do I know of, like, of this or... You know it, that, you it? know that Mr. Stick is Bobbitt's staff and that from what you've been able to tell, the party is not very forthcoming about it, but from what you've been able to tell, Mr. Stick is Bobbitt's patron. heard of, like, the whole, yeah, the yeah. whole Rust and Sea thing as well, so... Yes. Zinhorn's a smart cookie, I'm sure he can... Yes, so yeah, Zinhorn, you, you pretty much know the full of it. Right. You know that Bobbitt's staff, who Bobbitt calls Mr. Stick, is actually Rust and Sea, the dreaded necromancer who destroyed most of civilization in Cholt 200 years ago. Who is right. said to reside within this city. Well, if there is more than one, that is too, too many. It's like Bobba just looks incredibly annoyed, just going, mm. you know, first he tells, he tells Bobba to look for him and then... And, and... In, in Mesro, then we get to Mesro and he's not there, and then we get told he's in Omu, and apparently this the one that's here in Omu is different from the one that's that's that the Bobbit has, but the same at the same time, and he doesn't want us to destroy the Soulmonger right away. For a really dumb reason. But he he's probably going to be really mad at Bobbit if she doesn't do it. You see Sir Lucian just immediately straighten up. I know, I know, it's <laughs> dumb and it's the whole point of us coming here. This whole thing is dumb. <laughs> I feel like I've made my uh, feelings pretty clear about the whole necromancy thing. <laughs> do you think Bobbit has to be a necromancer? This stuff is given to Bobbit. This wasn't her choice. <laughs> and so you have the entire city of Omu laid out before you. Where would you like to go? Um, before we go anywhere, <laughs> Bob actually says to Bobbit, well, at least this time you came and asked for help immediately. Mm. You know that you have our support no Bob matter what happens. Bobbit just somehow, despite being under the mask, gives you the most deadpan expression, just sort of gestures over to Zinhorn going, yeah, everyone's support. Yes, well, when we reach this second uh, Mr. Stick, just call him Rastnessy. Just call him Rastnessy, Bob, it's not good at pretending anymore. When we get to this second Rastasi, we may pause before trying to end him. But let's just talk if there's a good reason. But that being said, if we do end up having to destroy it, you will have our support in whatever you need to survive. <laughs> if it comes to destroying him. Yeah. Just sort of like stares at Bob and just goes, if it comes to destroying Rastnessy, Bobbit will make peace with that. Salida <laughs> stands up and she comes to the edge of the cliff with you and she looks over the city 
And then she says, I have a confession to make. Oh, God. Oh, good. Come on. Yay. We're all sharing. She says, I grew up here. I've known where it is this whole time. Just, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, there's just this very strangled noise underneath Bobbit's mask. Oh, has just got a deadpan look. As hard as it is for an hour to have a deadpan look, he's just, like... Deadpan. He's willing to. He's willing to show sympathy for Bobbit because Bobbit has been with us from the beginning and is also still a little child. Oh, jeez, yes. But we've already had one secret being revealed the hard way through Salida. So. Bob's just stuffing bread in the background, going, "Why does everyone know where this secret place is? You'd never tell anybody." Salida just shrugs and bites her bottom lip and then she solemnly says, it doesn't matter now. And then she begins to step down a great stone staircase that leads down off the cliff into the city below. No, no, no. Bobbit's going to go in front of her going, no, Bobbit already had to share her secrets. Your turn. I'm next to Bobbit with this one. Yeah, I'm, I already still don't have full trust in Salida. Sharing secrets, you, Bobbit has to share. So does everyone else. I'm standing behind with magic crackling in my hand, getting ready to cast a spell if she keeps trying to walk. She places, she stops and sighs, exhales, places a hand on her hip, and says, "I am a UNT. This is where the UNT in Chult come from. Why would you assume I've never been here?" Other than Ava, none of us know anything about Cholt. And Ava's just looking with her with her wings folded, just staring silently as if as if going that's as if as if silently saying, Why didn't you lead us here? And Salida says Well, if I knew this was our ultimate destination, perhaps I would have led you straight from Port Neanza route here. We didn't know this is where we were going at the time. It wasn't until that Naga told us we had to go here, and I figured at that point it would be best to keep up the charade. This gives her a, a very like straightforward like gaze of untrust. I feel like I've figured out what this campaign's theme is. Secrets. Yes. Secrets, yeah. She shrugs and she says, she shrugs and she says, I doubt you came all this way to bicker. We're here now. Let's be on with it. We have a death curse to end. And she gestures towards Sir Lucian. Why do you think Bob is so upset about the whole keeping the soul forge thing going? Don't say so you descend down into the city, and despite where you'd like to go, you're going to pass the gatehouse anyway, so... Yeah. Because it's right in the entrance. Makes sense to me. Let me... Sorry, I'm going to be a bit slow with this, because it's a big sandbox chapter, yeah. and I no, possibly no, no. It's, have it's to... Fine, man. That's fine, yep. that's fine. A guardhouse stands near the entrance to the city. Arrow slits are cut into its limestone walls, and a lopsided iron portcullis hangs over the gateway, beyond which 
you could see an open plaza. You cannot see any signs of movement coming from inside the gatehouse or beyond. Would you like to stop and check, or would you like to press on? I feel like this is probably the most looted place of this area, if adventurers come by, but at the same time, we can't exactly afford to skip anything at this point, so yeah, Bold would like to go have a quick look inside. Because you know the Soulmonger's in Omu, but you don't know where. Okay, That's so true, yeah. Bold, I'd like you to make a stealth check, please. And as I'm walking in, does that make my elven boots activate? Like, yes, yes. Uh, yep, cool. Uh, that is a 19. You creep towards the entrance to the gatehouse and push open the push open the rotting wooden door and step inside. Much of the interior has collapsed into rubble. Creepers cling to the walls, and high grasses sprout between the flagstones amid evidence of long-dead campfires. One wall is covered with graffiti, some words painted, others etched. The graffiti is all written in common. From a number of different hands, it reads, Fear the fangs of Ras Nassim. Eric, I've gone in search of the Nine Shrines. The puzzle cubes are the key. Beware the frog monster. Who is Unk? All hail the king of feathers. The snakes are not what they seem. Kubuzan, bravery. Shigabi, wisdom. Moa, question mark. Okay, do, do we... Oh, I'm going to provide that. Yeah, I'm going to put part. that in the Discord for you. Okay, cool. Because that was rattled off far too fast for me to make notes. It's <laughs> just reading it out for the sake of the audience. No, yeah, but yep, I will yep, provide yep. it in Discord. Cool, cool. Um, I'm just going to post it up now. By this time, the others probably will have come into the. Um, yeah, Gate having house. not heard Bob yeah. screaming in pain, you can assume there that is safe. <laughs> no signs of life, and there you go, there is the graffiti. Okay, so there's at least one boss, two bosses. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know who the King of Feathers is. I'm yeah. fairly certain I know what the frog monster is. Bob has just consistently staring at that first line and just sighing to herself. <laughs> um, and then Unk. Bob, Unk. you can make a history check if you like. Can I do like an insight or just a base intelligence to know to see if I know what Unk is? Um, you can make a religion check, actually. Religion, okay. Oh, fine. If that's not uh, as well, but history is a twenty-four. Uh, oh, that's a 17, actually, so that's one of my better roles so, today. So, first of all, Bobbit, you close your eyes and try to find buried knowledge, lost memories of your life in Cholt. The King of Feathers. King of Feathers. You've heard that somewhere before, and after a few minutes it comes to you. The King of Feathers is a mythical Tyrannosaurus Rex said to stalk the jungles of Cholt. 
double the size of his brethren. The King of Feathers is known to be one of Upto's direct children and has control over has control over the jungle and its inhabitants. Oh. Uh, hey. I was excited right until you started mentioning the whole Uptown thing going, oh, he's not going to like me. <laughs> oh. Is it oh, me? Oh, Keep oh, in oh. mind, it's only said to be a child of Uptown. It may just be an yeah. unusually large T-Rex. <laughs> well, either way, Bolletier Terran explained that to the rest of the group, just going, you know, big, big T-Rex, really strong. <laughs> meanwhile, the meanwhile, Bulb, you recognise some of these names. You've been working with Ava in your time in Cholton, learning a bit about some of the Cholton religions, and you recognise the names Unk, Kabuzan, and Shigambi as minor gods who ruled over Omu in times past. Similar to similar to other minor gods such as Mudmore and Nang Nang, though these ones in all the writings appear to be entirely devoted to the rule of Omu and its inhabitants and are opposed to Uptown. Lovely. Well, I let the others know this and I turn to Salida and go care to share anything about what you might know about any of these? She says, Gods of the people who lived here. My people have not paid much stock to it. We have our own worship. With this, she clasps her hand around the statue of Dendar the Night Serpent. Um... Okay, well, do you know what they mean by the snakes or not what they seem? She says, well, I would hazard a guess that any adventurers penetrated far enough into the city would have found my people and discovered that indeed those are not normal snakes. She just gives you a cold smile. Yeah, well, I guess I can accept that. What a fuck inside that. <laughs> Well, you can inside it as well. You're watching it. Yeah, but I have absolute jack shit for wisdom. I'm can inside. You could go ahead. Somebody that isn't bothered inside. I got a sixteen for inside. She seems to be taking a bit too much pleasure in the way that she describes the UNT ambushing adventurers by appearing to be snakes and then transforming. Uh, I confront her about it. She just shrugs and she says, what can I say? It's a clever way of ambushing someone. Yeah, Bobby can understand that. She says, and any adventurers who would come this far and not be prepared for something like that, well, they deserve to die. What kind of uh, serpents do they pretend to be? She says, hmm, pythons primarily, large ones that like to strangle their prey, 
Although some Yuan tea will prefer to take other forms, rarely are they anything venomous. Something that would appear to be not particularly threatening to an uneducated adventurer. Hmm. We can expect a few boa constrictors. Yes, likely. Hmm. Would you like to move on from the ruined gatehouse? Um. There's not much else we can really work with here. We have a passive investigation of 17. Do I notice anything else just around the no, place? No, the gatehouse okay. is, as you suspected, been looted long ago. It seems to be just a place where adventurers congregate when arriving in the city and, as you see, sometimes leave messages for each other. Um, okay, well, I'm happy to move on if the others are happy to move on. So yeah, where would you like to go? As, as the group's leaving, Bobber quickly ducks back inside, and then, well, I assume Bobber has stuff to write with. Yeah, yeah, you've got stuff to write with. Just a small note right at the bottom of this, like, wall of graffiti, just a little thing with uh, Bobbit was here with a little smiley face next to it. <laughs> <laughs> so where uh, would you... Yep, and as you come out, you rejoin the others. They're moving beyond... Hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of places to go to, but... I mean, I guess we can go have a look at these two buildings on yep, our way to the main... What looks happened. This is fine. Okay. You make your way down past the gatehouse into the city proper, and as you move through the open plaza, walk across the weeds and creeper-choked cobblestones. Salida stops. She reaches into her cloak and pulls out the sending stone. She brings it up to her mouth and in draconic, with a notable hiss, whispers it's time. Aww. I immediately alert everybody by saying, what do you mean it's time? She... She turns to you and she smiles and as she lowers the sending stone, you hear rustling amongst the foliage and rubble around you and then suddenly... Five yuan they're their bottom halves humanoids, their heads serpentine, a leap out of cover, their weapons drawn. I'd like everyone to roll for initiative, please. And this is where Sir God, Lucia gets I to you. You want to her? God damn it. Fuck that one, so four for my initiative. Oh, cool. I have also rolled in that one. Do we want to roll off to see who gets to go last? Sure, let's go. Uh, that's 19 plus 3, so I'd get to go second last, I guess. Unless you're I've got a 4 one. plus 3, so... Okay, cool. So we'll just oh, yeah. at the bottom as we're in sheer disbelief that what we knew was going to happen actually finally happened. How did, um, and how did Zinhorn go? 
22. 22. Shut down, of course, so... Okay, so it is Zinhorn first. Because I don't get... I don't get surprised. <laughs> yes. It is so, Zinhorn first, and as the... As the UNTs brandish their weapons, Alita just smiles and says, Now's your chance. Surrender or fight? Mm. Are you going to kill us if we surrender? She says, it's That's up to Russ and the sea to decide. I love that because that was not entirely Bobbit, that was Michael. Yeah. <laughs> There is just many voices going on right now, all of which are violently angry! <laughs> so... I guess I'll make my My turn. Yep, so Zinhorn, what would you like to do? I mean, are we surrendering, or what are we doing? Yeah, are you gonna surrender, or are you gonna fight? They're... You can fight them off, there's only five. I know, but... Robert's also working on that whole deal that... Mm -hmm. Rasnessy once for and one of them was involving meeting actually getting to Rasnessy. Zinhorn, not knowing exactly how to feel about this, is not going to actually is going to hold an ice knife at level two. Yep. Towards Salida. Yep. Oh, she's not actually... Okay, she's not reversing. So I'm holding it, like, so to see what the rest of the party do. So it's ready to just... Yep, very well. It is the Yuan-T's turn. One of the Malisons hisses its fourth tongue touching the air, and it says, Too late! Rasnessi wants you dead! Uh, which one? Bobbit's just... Could, could Bobbit yell out something? I know it's not my turn, but... Yeah, what would... <laughs> so Bobbit literally just yells out, Which one? And... Well, actually, shit. At this point, I might as well be smart and just... Lift... Uh, drop the, uh, mask down slightly so they can actually see the mark of Rastasy on her forehead. All of the Malisons hiss at Selina points at you and says, See? The imposter! Oh, for fuck's sake. Okay, we're killing Bobbit's everybody here. Three, and Bobbit just angry growls about three different languages all at once, of course. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, I'm... Bitch, people are gonna die horribly. <laughs> yeah, kill them, kill them all. So, uh, at this decision, does then the knife go off, or does it have to wait till... Oh, no, you if can... You use this, or if you've used it as a held reaction, you can do it right now. Yeah, you can do it right now if you want. Yep, I snipe it straight at Salida's face. Yep, alright, roll to hit her. Um, come on, that is a 16 plus 8. That is... Uh, let 24 me... to hit. 24 to hit, yeah, that's definitely a hit. Go ahead, roll your damage. Right. So, first and foremost, 1d10. That is... A nine plus three d six. Nine plus three d six. So it's nine plus. Oh, that's good. That's eleven. That is fourteen cold damage on top of the nine. Ooh, nice. Okay, so Salida 
is hit with the knife. She hisses at you and then uses her cunning action to... And that actually, she moves behind the nearby ruins and uses her cunning action to hide. She rolls a 22 on her stealth yep. and disappears into the cover. It is the Yuan team. Yep. Oh, I, I just realized I can't do bonus action after I've held. Yeah, no, no you can't because you no, used your reaction. Yep. It is the Yuan T Warlock's turn. It slithers forward, taking cover behind a tree in front of you, and then casts. Oh, that's 10 feet. It casts Hex on Bulb. Oh, a bitch. Uh, what does Hex do? It hisses at you. Cursing you until the spell ends. It deals an extra 1d6 necrotic damage to you whenever it hits you with an attack. Also, it chooses wisdom and gives you disadvantage on ability changes made of the chosen ability. Damn. On ability what, sorry? On wisdom. Yeah, but uh, what involving wisdom? Sorry, you cut out any, for me. Any wisdom check you do gets disadvantage. So any wisdom check I do. Okay, and is Hex a concentration spell? Yes, it is. Okay, cool. It then, it then uses a bonus action to fire an Eldritch Blast at Bulb. Oh, fuck you and your bonus action. Fucking... It has an invocation. Yep. It has an invocation. Um, as... Yes, there... Well, there is for this monster. I don't know if it's a thing that's unique to this or not, but it has it. Um, it is a non... That is a non-natural 20 to hit. Yeah, that hits even with my shield now. Okay, so that will be to hit Bulb. Uh, it's only one beam, however. That is nine points of force damage plus four ah. points of necrotic damage. Thirteen that's damage 13. altogether. So that's... 46... 43... Jesus Christ! Yuan T. Mellison 1 slithers forward, raises his longbow, and fires at Sir Lucian. And that is a 14 on his first. The arrow bounces harmlessly off Sir Lucian's shield. And 22 on the second. That is hit to Sir Lucian. Sir Lucian takes 9 points of piercing damage, plus 9 points of poison damage. So 18 damage to Sir Lucian. Mm. Yuan T. Malice at four slithers forwards, raises its longbow, and fires at Sinhorn. That is a 15 to hit on the first. Misses. And a 16 to hit on the second. Misses. I am not happy with them. Yes. <laughs> Yuan T. Mellison three slithers forwards. Raises its longbow and fires at Bobbit. Yay! And that is a 12 to hit. It just bounces nope. uselessly off your shield. And the second is a 7. You duck and hold your shield in front of you as the second arrow sails over your head. Right. One team Mellison 2 
slithers up next to the URNT Warlock and polymorphs into a medium polymorphs into a medium-sized constricting snake. Oh, alright. We're gonna play that game, are we? <laughs> yes. And it is now Sir Lucian's turn. So after you've taken your 18 points of damage, Sir Lucian, what would you like to do? Well, I came out at the right time. Yeah. 18 points of nice damage, what happened there? Ah, <laughs> uh, you were hit by a poisoned arrow. And um, it dealt 9 damage from the arrow hitting you, and then another 9 damage from the poison. Ah, okay, so that's bad. Um, can I please... Hmm. Oh, I got alerts. So I think they were charging. Yeah. You know, I might just throw uh, throwing axes at uh, one team Mullison one. All right, go ahead. Roll to hit it. Absolutely. That is an eighteen. An eighteen, and that is a hit. You may roll for damage. Oh my god, that thing is... I can't reach it. Alright, I'm gonna use... Discord, roll me a D. <laughs> i reach into the packet. <laughs> that is three... Plus four Three plus points. four. Yep, and you get a second attack. Beautiful. That is a six. That is a six. Unfortunately, that's a miss. The Malison hisses. <laughs> As your axe sails over its head, you might need to run up and put that new sword to use. Would you like to get in range for a sword attack so next round you can just... Why are you attuned to that? Ah, uh, yeah, you're attuned to it already. You would have done it at the long okay, during no. the long rest. Would you just like to run up to, say, the Warlock and get ready to hit him next turn? Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry, I thought it was yep. the next person. You grab yeah, the sure. sword and charge and run towards the URNT Warlock with your new plus three longsword raised. It is now Ava's turn. Ava spreads her wings, flies up in the air, and fires her bow with advantage at URNT Warlock. And she hits, dealing... Nine points of normal damage, plus four points of psychic damage, 13 points of damage. She then makes a second attack with advantage, and unfortunately misses. It is now Bobbit's turn, and I believe I am... No, oh, no, I can, still no, here. No, I can, I can see for this turn, but I have to get my heart yep. second, unfortunately. Okay, so many options, so much rage, so little to do. Um. Um, I am. Uh, I'm gonna. Uh, so damn it. But we'll move up next to Solution. I kind of want to try yep. and take out the main wall of that's here. I'm guessing Salida's off somewhere else and, and as you as you move towards the warlock you see the telltale crimson triangle stamped on its serpentine head 
I mean, Bobbitt was already angry to begin with, but, you know, now, hooray, just slightly more rage involved. Okay, I was hoping to try and get you. Actually, nope, that's what I'm going to do. Let's get try one of her uh, new spells she's got, and is going to uh, swing at her with her stuff and cast Inflict Wounds upon her. Oh, upon the Ooh, Warlock. Nice. So I have to do a melee spell attack. So yep. Usual. Okay, that is 16 plus 7. I'm guessing that hits. 16 plus 7. Uh, yes, that is a hit. Wonderful. And the joy about this one is inflict wounds at, I believe, third level is going to be 5d10 necrotic damage. Ooh, nice. Yeah, Bobbit is not happy. I'm going to get into the... Uh, what's going to happen once she finds Salida, but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. It's going to be 34 points of, of necrotic damage as Bobbit just yells angrily and just swings Mr. Stick directly, directly into this warlock's face. Mr. Stick's voice says, Die, servant of the imposter, die! As you slam the stick into the URT warlock and it hisses in rage. Alright, and now I will be right back. Yep, it is now Bulb's turn. What would Bulb like to do if he's there? Sorry, I didn't. Re I didn't realize I was muted. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I've been looking. I've been looking at my spells, and I still don't know what I want to do. <laughs> it, it's like I can't. It won't matter if I entangle these guys because they got long bows. Um, I don't have an AOE Earth attack to do heaps of damage to them. Um, fuck it, I'm going to bonus action Misty Step 30 feet straight up. Yep, then I'm gonna air. fly. Then I'm gonna fly slightly forward and as high as I can go while still being. Hold on, I just need to look up the uh, distance of Scorching Ray, which I actually believe is like 100 or something. Uh, it's 120 feet. I'm just gonna fly 90 feet straight up using, but uh, not 90, 60 feet straight up. Like, yep. Bonus action. Straight up 30 in the feet. air, right up next to Ava. Yep. And then I'm casting a fourth level scorching ray. Yep. All right. Go ahead. Roll your. So hits. that's that's four uh, attacks on the warlock. Very well. Go ahead and roll. Because uh, is he looking really hurt, or is he not He's been hurt that much? He's actually looking quite a bit hurt from Bobbitt's um, create wounds, yes. Uh, fuck it, I want him dead. So the first one is a 26. That's a hit. Uh, the second one is a 24. That's a hit. The, ooh, the third one is a 13. That's a unfortunately not a hit. Okay, that's fine. And the fourth one is a twenty-seven. That's a hit. So that's three hits. They all get two d six each. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six d six. 
Uh, now I just need to make sure I don't have any bonuses. I'm not adding by forgetting. So it's plus one to one fire damage roll. Uh, I don't have any other magic buffs, I don't think. Uh, no, I do not. Um, could I actually use my dice of the trickster to do that third roll? You sure can. Okay, so is that just a D100 yep. one to... Yep, yep. Okay, I'll roll that in here. Tell me what you got. I got a 59. It is a nat... It counts as a 20. So that's one nat 20 for the damage. Yes. So yep. that third one actually hits. Will actually be the maximum amount of damage you can get on that dice. So what is it, a 3d6? So 2d6 you would get, and a 12. Yeah, so that, so that counts as a 6 on that dice. Okay. So that's 12 damage, 16, 21, 24, 28, 31, 32, 33 damage on this warlock. Ooh. The flames lick at the Yuan-Ti warlock skin and it hisses in pain, but somehow, somehow is still alive, but only barely. Yes. It is... Fucking beep! I yell into Connie. <laughs> <laughs> it hisses back at you with an unmistakable hiss. Your mother was a jungle camel. It is Zinhorn's turn. I, I don't know what know that means, mother, but I, but don't I think yell... I'm a camel. <laughs> don't know what that means, but you are going to eat those words as I pull out <laughs> some, like some dust and water, and I cast Ice Storm. Ooh, cool. nice! And I want to cast it somewhere here because it's a twenty-foot uh, radius, which means it should be able to hit everything here. Yep. And not hit Lucian or Bobbit since they had to yep. alter my plans. <laughs> so they are going. So, yep. So uh, all five enemies are going to make deck saves. So that is an Dex eight, of... a 16 from the Warlock. Of course. A 20 from the Polymorphed Yuan-Ti. A 20 from Yuan-Ti 3. Uh. An eight and a six. Uh, uh, sorry, an eight, a sixteen, a twenty, twenty, and an eight. So yeah. Um, uh, two one T one and four both fail. Everyone else passes. Alright, so it is two D eight. Which is so that's ten uh, force damage. Yep. Plus uh, 4d6, which is 6 and 6 is 12, and 5 is uh, 17, and 3 is 20. 20, okay. So, so a full damage is 10 of force and 20 of ice damage, yep. or cold damage. And, and half, half is 15. Yuan-T Warlock hisses as the cold wind set the last of its life away. I told you you would eat those words! 
It is the enemy's turn. Also, I'm going to run in over to the cover, over to the side. Yep. Doing... Yep. And vanish into the foliage. And you, yeah, mask of the wild to. Bob, ma- uh, Bob, make a perception uh, check, please. Perception, okay. Uh, seven. Although my seven. Yep. Passive is twenty, so. Uh, passive won't do anything in this yep, case. That's fine. Selina appears out of hiding beneath you, and she raises her uh, hand crossbow and makes and it and makes two multi attacks with it. So the first is an eighteen. Yeah. So. An eighteen meets it, so beats yep. it. Okay, so you are taking uh, first of all. Uh, eight points of piercing damage plus her sneak attack of 2d6 seven points of extra damage from the sneak attack (laughs) and then she uses her cunning action to dash away from you and makes a stealth check she gets to do that with advantage. That is a 20 on her stealth check. Well, I meet it, so I beat it. So I know yep. where she is. So you know that she is here. So, yep, she's tried to hide and she is hiding here. Okay. It is UNT Malicent 2's turn. It slithers over to Sir Lucian and attempts to constrict him. That is a 12 to hit. Sir Lucian pushes his shield out, knocking the huge snake off him and making it topple down onto the floor. UNT Malice at three rushes up and tries to hit Ava with its scimitar. And that uh, is... It did have, um... Uh, what is it called? Difficult terrain. Ah, uh, so... yes, yeah. But it's still got enough movement to get that far. Um, so it misses both times as Ava's flying too high up in the air. Yuan-T Malicid 4 raises his... Actually, let's see how much he's got. Uh, 10, 20, 30. Let's see how much movement do they have. Yuan-T Malicid 4 raises his longbow and fires at Zinhorn, who is in cover, so he'll be rolling with disadvantage. On the first, that is a 15 to hit. Misses. So the arrow hits the stone wall and ricochets away, and the second is a 18 to hit. Just hits. Just hits. So you take 4 points of piercing damage, plus 8 points of poison damage, so 12 points altogether. It is Yuan T. Malison 1's turn, and he attempts to hit Bobbit with his scimitar. The first attack is an 11, Bobbit carefully deflects it, and the second is a nat 20. Well, I Bobbit. picked a great time to come back, didn't I? Yep. <laughs> Bobbit takes 14 points of slashing damage. Ow. Why? 
And then, because the Yuan-Ti hit you with his scimitar, he goes in for a bonus bite attack. No, I'm good. I don't that need anything is, else biting me. That is a 24 to hit, non-nat. Awesome, awesome. I hope he likes poison blood, because that's essentially what lycanthropes have. You take 3 points of piercing damage, plus 11 points of poison damage, so 14 altogether. Oh, jolly good. It is now Sir Lucian's turn. And with that, I will be right back. Yep. Ah, of course. Ah. Right, try and test this new longsword out. Go ahead, roll I... to hit that Malison. I'm reaching the side of my one T's friend. Yep. Right. Uh, that is a 16. I'm pretty Ooh. sure that's a hit. Yep, that's a hit. Roll for damage. And remember, you add plus three to the damage. With, along with your strength mod. So you're getting, oh, I right, think, so seven... Yes, yeah, so I think you're getting a bonus eight damage on this. It's D8 plus eight. Oh, no. Let's do this. That is a... Uh, it's a banana one. That's okay. <laughs> one plus eight is still nine damage. That's still nine damage. Yeah, at least it was for the damage, yeah. not the attack. Go ahead for your second Another attack. attack. I turn around and go for round two. Okay, roll to hit. That is a fresh banana number one. A nap one. Jesus. And as the Malison takes the hit, you move in for the kill and begin to bring down your sword and then you feel that familiar soft squishiness under your heel and swear fuck as you fall backwards knowing what is about to happen. <laughs> It is Bobbit's turn. Hey, I'm back. Uh, I mean, I really want to deal with Salida, but, you know, the two guys in front of you are kind of more of an issue. So, number one was the one that bit me, right? Yes. And how did you say number two was? Ooh, uh, number, number two's a bit hurt. It's taken some damage from the Ice Storm, and Sir Lucian's also hit it for nine damage. So it's okay, so that looks... whole going into the kill thing was more of a plot yeah, well, story thing. Yeah, it's possibly may have killed it if he rolled a certain amount on his um, attack, on his damage roll. Eh, well, Bobbit's gonna take a staff, go to aim at number one, then immediately fake out and switch to number two and fly two Eldridge Blasts directly at it. Ooh, go ahead, roll to hit. And the first one is a nat 20. Damn, I should have gone Ooh. for number one. That would have been a nice revenge shot. <laughs> And second is a non-nat 20. Huh, oh, well, both hit. Roll the damage. Okay, so the first one is, oh boy, 7 plus 4 times 2. So that's 22 points on the first hit. Yep, and the Take second left. is... Oh, he's still alive. Cool. Second one is 9 plus 4, so 13 on the second. 13. And he goes down, coiling up. <laughs> Just blasted into absolute bits. It is Ava's turn, and Ava is going to fly back and then fire her bow at Yuan-Ti Malice at 3. She hits him with a nat 20 for 14 points of damage plus 1 point of psychic damage, and then goes in for her second attack and hits him for another 5 points of damage. Yay. It is now Bulb's turn. Bulb, seeing where Salida is, is going 
to fly to within, I think Blight is 30 feet. Uh, to within, yeah, to within 30 feet of Salida. Yep. So obviously, it's about yeah. here. So I've flown down a little bit, obviously, but I'm still in the air, and I'm going to cast Blight on her. Yay. She must make a Constitution saving throw, and she must now beat a 16. That is a 16, just. Damn. Fucking bitch. I uh, still got to roll 88, and she takes half damage, though. Yep, go ahead. Uh, uh, so, 15 damage. She hisses at you. It is now um, And I don't have any bonus actions. Yep. Well, actually, as a bonus action, I can drink a potion, can't I? Yes, you can. I am going to drink... Oh, what's my best diet potion? Uh, my supreme healing potion. Yep. Uh, what's a Supreme Healing Potion? It is... Uh, let me just look this up because I don't have my TM screen in front of me. Mm. Supe uh, supreme Healing is 10d4 plus 20. 10d4 plus 20. I might actually need that many. Yeah. Uh, oh! Ooh, actually, maybe not... Uh, okay, maybe I'll keep that one for a little bit later and I'll just... Use a normal potion of healing. Yep. <laughs> 2d4 plus 2. 2d4 plus 2. Okay, cool. Yep, that's the end of my turn. Yep, okay, it is Zinhorn's turn. One and one. Oh my fucking god, so, four back. <laughs> so, Zinhorn is going to uh, race across. In front, like the full, what am I, I've got 35, 35 feet across. Yep. Towards where, like straight across towards bulb side. Yep. You sprint across the, sprint across the plaza towards him. You auntie Malice at three gets an attack of opportunity, swinging out with his scimitar, and he hits you with a 24. You take seven points of slashing damage. Yep. Then I am going to be shaped into uh, the Ice Spider Queen. Yep. Ooh. Somebody's angry. And then I am going to hold my Icy Web ranged attack for the moment Salida appears. Yep. Moment you can see her. Sure. Yep. Okay. It is now the enemy's oh. turn. Damn, I forgot to say that I point out where she is. Yes. So okay. But she, yeah. Um. Okay. I mean, probably have seen where you were finding her from. No, I only had to be within thirty feet to attack her. Okay, so uh, Bulb could see her, so she's not going for a sneak attack on Bulb. Bobbit, please make a perception check. So I'm shooting the ice webbing. When, when, when after she attacks Bobbit, you will. Oh. Uh, Oh, okay. Ooh, that's a uh, sixteen. Sixteen. Unfortunately, her stealth was twenty, so you don't see it. Uh, you don't see her until the last moment. 
You see her emerge from the brush with her dagger in hand. Zinhorn, now you let off your attack. Yep, that is a 17 plus 5, so 22 to hit. That hits her. The target is now restrained by webbing. Ooh. Yep. <laughs> so she's going to roll with advantage on her short sword to hit Bobbit. Wait, if she's restrained, does that mean... Wait, how is she hitting me if she's restrained? Well, she could still attack. Restraint, restraint doesn't stop you from attacking, it stops you from moving. Oh. But it does give and you... It does give you disadvantage on attacks. Oh, that's helpful. So, yay, disadvantage. So on her first attack, it is... Well, actually, and she'd get advantage because she was sneaking up, but it's, it's just going to be a normal roll, this first one. Oh. That is a nat 20. 25. Oh. Okay, no, stop that. Stop critting the bob. She bob, hits... like crits. She hits you for 11 points of slashing damage, oh. plus her sneak attack, 6. So 17 points altogether. She then goes for her second attack with disadvantage and does not have a chance of hitting you as she's restrained by a web. And she also can't move, so she's going to stay right here. Yes, so we have advantage. She has disadvantage on us. And disadvantage on dexterity. It is Yuan T. Malice at three's turn. He slithers up to Zin into Spider Horn and makes a scimitar attack. <laughs> That is a 19 to hit. Yep. Okay, so that is 7 points of slashing damage. Uh, I need to get a note for this. We went from Rhyhorn to Spyhorn. Yes, Spyhorn. Spy <laughs> this is a weird evolution path. <laughs> it is. It's a clean Spyhorn too. At this point, we've literally gone straight into Digimon. His <laughs> second attack is also a 19, so he hits you for four points of slashing damage, and then because he hit you, he gets to make a bonus fight attack. And that is only a nine, unfortunately, for him. As he is unable to pierce the thick exoskeleton of your spider form. So that's an extra nine damage, okay? Yep. You auntie Malice at four slithers also up to Spyhorn, and makes two scimitar attacks. That is an 11 and a 16. The 11 misses, the 16 hits. Yep, so that is 6 points of slashing damage. And then he goes in for a bite attack. That is a 23. You take 4 points of piercing damage. And as a spider, I presume you're resistant or immune to poison? Um, uh, damage resistance cold. Okay, so not poison. You then huh. take... 16 points of poison damage from the bite. Ouch. As he pumps venom through his fangs. It is now Sir Lucian's turn. Wait, quick question. What yep. weapon was Salidi using against me? Uh, a short sword. Just a regular one? Just a regular one. I'm, I'm supposed to have been taking getting dis like resistance to all of this. Cause oh, of yeah, my... you are. Okay, so... Um, yeah, I completely blocked on that, so let I me tell you way less damage from all those hits. Oh, uh, let me... T uh, the uh, sneak just... attack still would have been fine, but uh, as yeah, for no, the 11 fair. points yeah. of slashing, you would have taken 5. Okay. Okay, it is Sir Lucian's turn. Right, long sword to... 
Uh, what is it? A number four. Yep, you run down number to number four. four. Go ahead. Okay. Ooh, number four. That is a ten. Ten. Plus, Did you plus, add your modifiers? Uh, Did you add your plus three? And your strength and your proficiency. So plus eight. So yeah. plus eight. So ten plus eight would 18. be eighteen. In which case you hit. Yeah. Remember you gotta add that. Yep. When so you're, you're getting plus eight to right. your attack oh. rolls, and you're getting also plus, you're getting plus eight for the damage. Yes. Oh shivers! I thought it was only plus eight for just the damage, not for the. Well, no, it's plus eight for the. Yeah, it's plus eight for that too. So. Oh, wow. All Wait, right, actually, it's plus it. 10 for the attack, because your strength oh, yeah. is plus 5. So it's plus 5, yeah. plus 3, plus... It's a it's plus 11 oh. to attack. Holy shit, yeah. So whatever you hit. roll, yeah. Yeah. So from now on, whatever you roll, roll to attack, you add, add 11, 11 to it. Yeah, and then when you is roll damage, you add 8. Faster, isn't it? Yeah, it's a plus... Yeah, because, yeah, your strength is 20. So it's plus 11 to hit and plus 8 on the damage. So roll damage and add 8 to it. Uh, roll over damage. That is four points of damage. Twelve points of damage. Nice. Would you like to go in for another? Yes, please. All right. Remember to add eleven to anything you roll. All right. That's eleven plus eight. That's nineteen on the dice. Chase. Nineteen. Yeah, that's a hit. Roll for damage. Add eight to it. Oh, it's a banana one. It's okay. That's Nine points of damage, damage is enough. You lunge forward. And just like an Aussie farmer with his shovel, remove the Yuan T. Allison's <laughs> head. Ah, nice. It is now Bobbit's turn. So, just to confirm, Salida is currently she restrained. She is restrained by Zinhorn's webs, and yes. And I would get advantage on attacks yes, against her. Yes, you get her, advantage right? on attacks against her. Well, I'm hoping we get a long rest after this, because Bob is looking very... There's, there's just like, you know, the Bob looks up under her mask, there's just this gleam in her eyes as she's just looking directly at Selita. You could have a long and... rest at any time, you just have to find a safe place to rest in the city. Yeah, well, that's fair. But no, Bob is going to uh, cast her other... one of her other spells she uh, took in when she uh, leveled up. This yep. is a second level necromancy spell called Tormented Flurry. Yep. Since I figured meth and martial spells are a good idea now that I have uh, let's see. Each strike shall be more gruesome than the last. When you cast this spell, you move it up to 30 feet, which I don't need to do. Make a melee weapon attack against the target within reach. If you hit, the target takes an additional 2d6 necrotic damage. Ooh. On your subsequent turns, you can use your actions to continue your deadly assault. Each time you use this action, it has a different effect. I'll explain which ones happen as they go, and more importantly, if she can survive that long. So yeah, Bobbit is just going to take an absolute, hmm, just in rage, just swings straight at her with the mist stick, and that is an 18 to hit. That's a hit. Beautiful. So, ah, uh, damn it, I never get to add the uh, fire thing to this stuff yet. Oh, yeah, I haven't well, done that yet. Do that's on, okay. Can't do, much, can't do much on that one just yet. That's, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, because it burned the webs off. Oh, right. It's, yeah, actually, yeah, good call, good call. <laughs> where is my damage thing for this? Because I haven't really used the core stuff yet. And that is going to be, uh, the first part is, uh, going to be nine points of damage, but then I gotta roll the 2d6 for the chronic as well. Yep. That is, ooh, an extra 11 points of necrotic damage, that's a good start. And anything else for that one? 
Nope, just that for now. Salida's eyes grow wide and she grits her teeth as she struggles mm. through the pain, but she is still squirming underneath the web. Just that Bob just looking at her, just going, you've been a very bad friend. It is Bulb's turn. Bulb. Bulb has just got a second level Scorching Ray. Yep. Wait, no, no, wouldn't the fire destroy the webbing though? Oh, fuck. Yeah. Um, be careful for the Yuan-T guy behind me, so that way it's, not, it's just a straight one-on-one -on -one fight here, because I actually should, should have taken a potion at the end of my turn, never mind. Yeah, yeah okay, I'll... Get the other two, you auntie to work with you. Yeah, I'll second level Scorching Ray, you auntie. Uh, one. Alright, go ahead. Um, that's, am I high enough to have advantage on the attack or no? You are high enough, yes. Cool. So the first one is a 27. Yep, that's a hit. The second one is another 27. That's a hit. And the third one is a 24. That's a hit. Uh, so that is 1, 2, 3, 4, 66. Uh, oh, that's a lot of 1s. Fuck off. <laughs> uh. Ten damage. Ten damage. Unfortunately, <laughs> he is still up, and his scales are looking a little bit singed, and he just hisses at you in anger, readying his weapon. Sinhorn, it is uh, your turn. And then, oh, yep, sorry, I will healing yep. word pop it. Yep. Yay! At uh, second level. Yep. All right, we like those. We take those. Uh, why do I already have that as... Yeah, uh, so, healing word at second level, so that's, uh, 3... 2d4. Mm -hmm. Plus 5 now. Feel free to roll that, that's gonna be fun. That was 7 plus 5, so that's, uh, 12 HP back from Bobbit. 12 Thank HP, you. lovely. It's now Zinhorn's turn. So, if I transform out of this shape, does the webbing, the webbing stays, doesn't it? It does stay, yes. Cool. So, I am going to uh, come out of this form since I only have two health anyway. Yep. And so if I, if I was to move away and get hit, that would stop my move by if I got um, below or got down to zero. Yeah, but since you've transformed out of it, you can no. Yeah, but if I didn't transform out of it, I was at two health. If I was to move away and got hit, does that just end my turn? Yeah, it would have just ended your turn. That's what I thought. I just wanted to confirm before yep. I... Um, so I'm going to come out of Spider Queen form. And I'm just going to point blank Thunder Wave at first level. This, yep, uh, Malice three. Malice three behind. Oh He's going to make a dex save, and that is a three. He does not make it. So yeah. Two d eight. 
and that is a six and an eight, so that is 14 points of damage. A thunderclap rings throughout the open plaza, blasting him back 15 feet away from you. Damn. And then I'm going to uh, head around over behind this way here. Yep. Run into the nearby ruins. And use Mask of the Wild. Ah, and just vanish it to the foliage. Nice. Okay. Take away this game! (laughs) (laughs) It is the enemy's turn. Salida struggles, but she cannot break free of her webbing. She also takes 1d4 of cold. She does. She's also going to... Two points of damage. Two points of damage. She's going to attempt to hit Bobbit with her short sword, despite having disadvantage. That is a 10 on the first, <laughs> and on the second, that is a 6. I imagine Bobbit's just lazily just tilting her head as she tries to swing her. Just she's not just even struggling, and she's going, <laughs> You never trusted me from the start! Mm, well, yeah, with good reason, it seems. It is you Yuan... be nice to... It is Yuan T. Mallison 1's turn, and he is going to swing at Bobbit with his scimitar. That's a nat 20 on the first. Oh, come on! How does this guy keep doing that? You get... I mean, I you, do still have resistance on You do, so you attack. take five points of slashing damage. Ow. Then his second is a 24 non-nat. You God take three points of slashing damage with your resistance. Stop it. He then goes in to bite you, and that is a 16. He is unable to pierce through your half plate. You aren't Team Malice 3, slithers up between Bulb and Sir Lucian, readies his scimitar, swinging it at Sir Lucian. That is an 8. It bounces off Sir Lucian's armor. It then reevaluates and makes its second swing at Bulb, and that is a 15. Bulb puts his. Bulb puts his shield in front and it hits the shield and clanks off. It is now. Um, No, no, no. It's only if he tries to move away. But it is now your turn, Sir Lucian. Would you like to finish him off? Please do. Beautiful. So please do. Someone else can come and help me. I have to ask you a question. (laughs) You're using a sword, though. That is a. Six. Plus Six 11. plus eleven. Seventeen to hit. Go ahead. Roll your damage and add oh, plus eight to it. Alright, let's do this. That is a four, so that's what, twelve points of damage? Twelve, yep. not bad. Go in for your next hit. Yeah. Sorry, it appears you're not dead yet. Oh, <laughs> uh, that is a cops dice. It was so close when that twenty. So 19. Okay, that's 19. Nine. Plus so, that's still a 30. So yeah, I think still that's a gonna 30. Hit. That's going to hit. Roll your damage. <laughs> oh, gee whiz, does a 30 hit? <laughs> 6, 8, 14 points. 14 points. How would you like to kill him? Oh, my God. Oh. we decapitate? Yep. I would like to decaffeinate him. So you just <laughs> lunge forwards and you say... It's so badass. It has its own yeah. name. You it's just... You step forward holding your shield in one hand, raising your sword in the other, and you say, I 
Sir Lucian Scuttlebutt condemn you to decaffeination! And you bring the sword down on his head, lopping it off with one quick blow. He doesn't, he doesn't actually die, he just gets really, he just, yeah, he doesn't actually die, he just gets really, really tired. tired. Oh man, I'm yep. not dealing with this anymore and just passes out. It is now <laughs> Robert's turn. Oh good! Alright, well we still have Salida, she's still restrained, I still have advantage, so let's go round two of Tormented Flurry while we're still here. Yep. That is 10 plus 7, so 17 still hits. It still hits. Oh wait, no, I never rolled a disadvantage. Yep. Oh, actually, I'm just... Nah, we're good, we're good. <laughs> um, Alright, second use. You make a melee weapon attack against a creature within range. If you hit, the creature must make a wisdom saving throw. If they fail, they are frightened of you until the end of your next turn, taking extra d6 of necrotic damage. So yep, she's going to make... She got a six on her wisdom save. Yeah, I was gonna say there's just some very evil intentions gleaming under Bobbit's eyes as she's just wailing on her while she's hurt. So that's gonna be uh, three seven on the first, and then an additional four points of necrotic on top of that. Salida just looks at Bobbit. Her eyes grow wide and her mouth falls open in a look of sheer terror as Bobbit steps in. And Salida's limp body, finally breaking through the webs, falls to the ground. And as she lies there on the weed-choked cobblestone, she looks up into the sky. And her bottom lip trembling, she just says, Forgive me, Scimitar Sally. And she dies. <laughs> I was going to say, as she passed her bowl, goes, Don't worry, Bubba will make sure what's left of you gets sent to her. <laughs> I'm really annoyed because that next hit I would have had against it would have been absolutely friggin' amazing. Because the third strike is literally you make a um, another attack against the creature within reach. If the creature is frightened, it deals an additional 1d6. If the attack is made with advantage, it deals an additional 1d6. It is oh, now. Wow. But on the bright side, I still have what's his face sitting next to me as well. Yes. So it is now Bulb's turn. Bulb is going to just fly up to the auntie and is just going to whack him with a scimitar. Yep, that's a good, as good an idea as any. Rush right up to him, go ahead, roll to hit him. Uh, that is uh, a unnatural 20. That's a hit. God, I'm damage. using melee weapons again. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, uh, what's the scimitar again? It's a d6? Yep, d6 plus uh, your dex. Yeah, uh, so... I haven't put the damage that sort of... Plus an additional, so the... plus an additional 1d4 fire damage in your case. Yeah. What's this? Checking, I haven't actually put the fucking damage in. Oh, I'm an idiot. Okay, so... Oh, that is max damage for the fucking scimitar. That is... Nine physical... And one burning. Ooh, ten points of damage. Not bad. It is Zinhorn's turn. He's still up? He's still up. Just barely. Um... So, I'm going to appear from around behind uh, the this wall there, and just 
frostbite. Yep. Go ahead. That's a DC DC 16 con save. He makes his con save and rolls 10. That is now 2d6. That is 6 points of cold damage. And this Yuan T withers in the cold air as he dies. Combat appears to be over. Is lovely. I go to Salida's body and grab out the Sending Stone. <laughs> yep. You take the Sending Stone from Salida, and as you hold it up, now that it's actually in your hands, you could feel a sort of malevolent, dark energy emanating from it. Was this the same standing stone that we contacted Scimitar Sally with? I'd like you to please make an invest... Well, what's your passive investigation? 17. As you hold the sending stone in front of you, you realise that this Simis- this stone looks almost identical to the one that you had Salida hand over, except for the fact that on the underside, a small triangle is carved into the rock. You pat down Salida's corpse, and sure enough, find a second sending stone in her pocket, which is the same one that you used to contact Scimitar Sally. Before I try to contact Scimitar Sally, I call Bobbit over. Bobbit, I need your help. This stone, and I hold up the marked one, is the one that she used now. Can you help me determine if there's any mind-altering magic associated with it? You may make an arcana check, please, Bobbit. Oh, he's muted. Oh, yep, well, Bobbit. Uh, Bob, sorry, sorry, oh, I yep, yep, myself. That's I was okay. going to say, um, do I get advantage since I'm technically helping Bob look yes. this thing? Yes, well, you get advantage because this is something that belongs to Russ in the sea. Well, that's a 24 either way. You determine that there is some sort of magic effect placed on the stone. You can determine that it is not mind-altering, but are also unable to describe, unable to determine what it is without casting mm. Detect Magic. I... I'm going to expend a spell slot and cast Detect Magic immediately. There is an aura of evocation magic emanating evocation. from the stone. Uh, what's evocation magic again? Sorry, I'm not... Damaging magic. Fireballs, thunderbolts. Okay. Damaging magic. So we would be best to get rid of this thing then. E- <sighs> yes, it may be trapped if we try to use it. Well, there is a lovely, lovely smoldering pit of lava and despair over to the east. Well, after we're finished here, that might be where we need to go next. I'm yep. just going to confirm that Selina was definitely not mind-controlled in any way, correct? It doesn't appear that she was. Cool. I try to activate Scimitar Sally's. You hear Scimitar Sally's voice on the other end. Selina? Have you reached Omu yet? Selina was a traitor, and then I hang up. 
ascending stone falls silent, and <laughs> as soon as you are done, Scimitar Sally triggers something on her end, and you feel the magic that's inside the ascending stone leave, and it returns to just being an inert, ordinary pebble in your hand. Uh, probably could have used uh, information, but I feel good. Pissing her off doing that. Quick question. I know she's technically your auntie, but does Selena count as a humanoid? She's a humanoid, yes, but she's a URT. Good. <laughs> Bobbit's just gonna look and go, hmm, Bobbit's not finished with you being a bad friend, and is immediately going to cast Animate Dead on her. <laughs> <laughs> I am then gonna go to the auntie warlock, and is there anything at all that I can basically take as a trophy? Like, you know, oh, I'll take a little mask and so everything. Start beating his freaking head. Well, they <laughs> have. You notice that not on the warlock. The warlock's just wearing normal robes, but one of the Malisons is holding a longbow that has been uh, painted and carved like a serpent with tiny amber gemstones for eyes. It's pretty. It doesn't appear to be magical, it's just, it just looks pretty. been carefully customised. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that as a trophy. Yep. Uh, so customized was it longbow? Yep. It's a longbow. It's in the shape of a, it's been carved into the shape of a serpent with tiny amber gemstones for eyes. Oh. Uh, okay. Oh, so, trophy. Bobbit has hers, and Bobbit already knows exactly what she wants to do. The leader's corpse crawls forwards and then slowly climbs to its feet, and it stares at Bobbit. Its hands hanging limply along the sides, and it opens its <laughs> mouth and says, Pod uh... just looks and goes, uh, isn't that much better? Mm -hmm. Well, let's the sending stone she has. The leader is now uh... a husk zombie. Uh, actually, yeah, also stares over at Zinghong going, Bobbit hopes that you don't feel bad about this one. I... Zinghong just looks at him, looks at his hand, looks at uh, Salida. Say something or she's going down again. Salida. Wait. Salida so looks at me or to her? I'm saying to, to Bobbit, basically stop me from taking her out again. Yeah. Bobbit just smiles and then Bobbit just uh, under a master smiles and goes, No, no, don't worry. She's not being back for long. Salida mm. just tilts her head, looks at Zinhorn and says, Ooh. Don't look at me that way. Yeah, Bobbit just goes, and uh, Bobbit actually holds her hand out to Bob and goes, Can Bobbit have that sending, the other sending stone, the bad one? Uh, Bob hands it over, he doesn't exactly want to be carrying it. Wonderful. <laughs> Councilita, Bobbit knows just what to do with both of these, and just starts walking off in the direction of the, uh, lava area to dispose of the sending stone. Would you uh, like... Yep. Before we go, I would just like to try and collect, um, any arrows that these Yanti had. Yep. Um, you look around and you pick up all their arrows, and there is, amongst them, uh, 4d8 arrows. 4d8, okay. Um, and does that take a... Well, I don't technically, but now I've got a bow, and just in case I want to use the bow, I'll have some arrows. all those arrows take one slot. One slot? Okay, cool. Zinhorn just follows, uh, Bobbit. Yep. And... 
says, can I do it? No, no, no. Bubba just looks and goes, trust me, you'll like what Bubba has in store. Yeah, I, I, Zinhorn wants to do, if, you, if you're doing what you th I think you're doing, Zinhorn wants in. It takes about, <laughs> it takes a walk of about half an hour to make it from the plaza towards the great rift in the city. And as you approach it, the air starts to grow hotter and hotter as convection from the lava below ekes mm -hmm. up out of the crater towards you. I'm just going to... While we're doing that walk, Bob comes up with an idea. Mm. Oh, no, don't worry. That sending stone probably only went to those bloody Yanti that ambushed us. Yes. Possibly, yeah. Okay, don't worry then. Either way, it's not nice and we need to get well, rid of it and Bob yeah. is just what to do. Bob, Tumble Bob down. was going to try and track where it went to, but oh, that doesn't okay. Tumble down ruins cling to the lip of a vast rift overlooking a lake of bubbling lava and Zinhorn and Bulb, as you stare over this bubbling abyss, you see that in the middle of the lava is a sole pinnacle of rock and on top of that rock is some sort of temple or shrine. Oh. Okay, and that's more. I mean, obviously I don't know that yeah. in person, but obviously that'll be one we have to go and visit mm. to find out the rest of that um, as you, thing. As you look at it, you notice that someone has actually carved great tabaxi letters into the sides of the cliff, which mm. Bobbit is easily able to translate to Shrine of Moa. Well, hey, sure. Bobbit fan Moa. Look, it's Moa, everybody. Hi, Moa. <laughs> okay, but there's nothing else yep. here. Nothing like, else nothing dangerous, here, no. Nothing wonderful. We're going to stroll out to that nice little uh, bit that's over that bridge. Crossing a Just crumbling stone bridge onto a tiny rock island in the midst of a sea of bubbling red magma mm -hmm. and as the heat compresses down upon you what do you do uh, just making sure uh, da, 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 da. so is this uh, is this where it, it is going down or she <laughs> is going down Bobbit just yeah, Bobbit just uh, looks at the sending stone goes over the Salida puts it in her hand and then just goes oh please yeah. let me <laughs> Bobbit just points off the cliff and goes no no Bobbit wants to yeah. I mean, you're more than welcome to watch, but Bobbit wants this more than you can so, possibly imagine. So I go next to Bobbit whilst he's doing this. Mm-hmm. And you say jump. You do. No, well, either that or Bobbit just goes, oh, just looks and turns to him and says, yeah, do, do not resist. And then just turns to Zinhorn and goes, if we do this, does that mean we can be friends now? Yes. Push away. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. So Zinhorn just focuses his energy and just gives, this is for all that doubt, all of that fooling, all that trickery, and just a big explosion with the, um, the stuff, his stuff going down to the ground and cast Thunder Wave. Jeez, I just meant like push her in the back, Jesus Christ. <laughs> a wave, a thunderclap rings throughout this lava-filled chasm as sound energy pushes Zombie Salida off the edge. How do you hear her groaning? As you watch her fall down and she 
splashes into the lava and sinks like a pebble and is gone beneath the circuit surface within a second. What happens when the sending stone hits the lava? As the sending stone hits the lava, you feel the ground beneath you shake and then a wave of dark necrotic energy explodes out from the chasm just far enough away that it's inky black tendrils cannot reach you. They linger in the air. They linger in the air for a few seconds and then slowly sink down into the lava, leaving a black inky splotch where they once were. Uh, Zinhorn just turns to Bob and goes, that felt good. As we've all learned a valuable lesson today, nothing brings people closer together than mutual hatred of a third party. <laughs> I'll just listen, goes, bye, silly, you're a broaden friend, and just walks, starts walking back to where we were before. Can we have a nap now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, would you like to, you can take a short rest or a long rest, or you can continue exploring the city. What time of day is it? It is just before lunchtime. I'd just like to point out that Bobbit has burnt all of her warlock spells plus her use of the uh, raise the dead for the day. Mm-hmm. But if we take a short re- if we take a short rest, I get two Your of them. Spell well, slots back. Slots yep. Back, so. Sorry, I forgot. We're not in the hex crawl anymore. I yeah. can just take a quick nap and get my shit back. Yay! Yes. <laughs> I take a nap. You are I now in. Right you are not in a hex crawl. You're now in a dungeon crawl. Yeah, the city. Enough. The the city being the dungeon. That's fine. The fact that I can take a short rest and just get stuff back instead of yeah, I, I I get my uh, my beast beast shape back as well. Yep. So you guys would like to take a short rest? rest Oh yeah, I'll take a short I'll take a short rest and get some health back. I've still got a few spells left. I take that. Uh, That being said, okay, hit dice, hit dice, hit dice. Good thing I had the eights out already. To go ahead, I don't think Sir. I think Sir Lucian took 18 damage. So, Sir Lucian, would you like to use your second wind to get a free hit dice, and then you may only have to spend one? Hmm. Sounds perfect. So go ahead and roll. Like 20 points of HP. Yes. Yeah, so roll. Roll two d10s, Sir Lucian. Where are you? Rolling away. Okay, would you like to spend another hit dice then, since you only recovered 10? Yeah, I've got a whole health potions too. You do, so you can drink those if you want. Those are 2d4 plus 2 each. Oh yeah, and your con to the hit dice. So in this case you got... In this case you got 14 health from that hit dice and your second wind. Oh, beautiful. Oh, look, that should be fine. Yeah, yeah. should be fine, alright. Everyone else has recovered. Yep. I've recovered all my hit points using half my dice. Yep, so you sit around in a circle as the lava bubbles below you and you just rest for an hour in the heat, enjoying a brief meal and recovering from Salida's betrayal. And then... Having caught your breath, you stand up and survey the city sprawling before you. Where would you like to go? Hmm. Well, let's have a look at this little building right here. 
Moa's Shrine. Uh, no, sorry. Uh, this one here that we can get to. Alright. You cross the bridge and see what appears to be the remnants of some old house. And do you just, so you're going to decide to check inside it? Uh, Bulb is going to sneak in an opening. Yep. Uh, Bulb, please make a stealth check. Uh, that is a 21. Okay, so this, as a building that's not marked on the back, is a randomly generated building, so I would like you to oh. please roll a D100. D100, okay. Uh, there's my D100. Uh, that is a 17. A 17? You creep into the house, pushing, pushing open what's left of the front door, and inside find that the interior is completely empty. All of the furniture has been removed and the floor has nothing upon it other than a thick layer of dust and dirt. That's fine, well at least now we know what's in here. Question. Yep. When back at the other shrines that we had um, with the, um, in the previous episode, when I used to take magic, was there anything that came off Mr. Stick? Um... There was actually magic that came from Mr. Stick, but you weren't paying attention to it at the time and weren't able to tell what kind of magic it was. It just yeah. is... But there was a magical mind. presence. Yeah, that there was a magical presence. Okay. That so yes, if you... Could be helpful. So if you decide to search any buildings that aren't map markers, there is randomly generated encounters inside them, so... Oh, fine. So, where would you like to go, having searched this house and found nothing? We never did search these houses, but we need to go up this way, so... Go I guess... Bob puts forward the suggestion maybe we just start making our way up the street towards the ruined campsite, just checking the houses on either yep. side. I'm pretty sure yes, you could can. easily fly over to Moa's Shrine, too, if you wanted to. Uh... Oh, yeah, the... Um, so Lucian could the use his carpet. flying carpet. If you do um... want to go over there, or if you do want to make your way towards the ruined campsite. I'm for the magic I feel like the campsite to start off with. That's a good idea. Yeah, campsite first. You begin to make your way down a... You begin to make your way down a wide, crumbling, cobblestone street. Well, through buildings... We... Yep, I know, you want to search the buildings. Yeah. Um, the cobblestones are drowning under rampant overgrowth of creepers and other jungle plants, and the buildings on either side of you are choked with the same... As you walk towards the campsite, you decide to search the buildings that you pass by. Uh, please roll a d100. A 90? A 90! The first building you search ends up being a fortunate discovery as oh. in amongst 
Dust and dirt-choked carpets, collapsed bedding, couches and upholstery, you find a small wooden box and you flip the box open and find a treasure inside. Please roll two d20s and add them together. Okay, that is a 21, because that was, that was a nat 20 and a natural 1. That was a 21. <laughs> Let me check what yeah. that is. Wow, I... way to flip both sides of the coin, yeah. <laughs> Well, one of you will like this, because inside the small wooden box is a uh, leather pouch, and you open it up, and inside is 2d6... Plus one ammunition. Oh, E six plus one ammunition. Okay. Uh, uh, is it just regular ammunition, or where are we working with this? Plus it's one ammunition eight. for a gun or a sling. It's eight LR. Yep. So eight plus one mm. bullets are inside the. Oh, sorry, that was seven plus one, so eight. Yeah. Um, that would be great if Bobbit hadn't given us all. So that wasn't really? so that wasn't two d six plus one. That was two d six, and they are plus one bullets. Oh, plus one. Yes. Oh. Yes. Okay, so that's you're seven probably plus gonna one use the gun more than you're probably going to use the gun more than I do because I don't really um, do more Eldritch Blast. So I'll yeah, okay. let you take those. Okay, yes, that so, makes far more sense. Yeah, that okay. makes far more yes. sense. <laughs> so yeah, seven. I can see why that would be valuable? Yeah. Now. So you want seven <laughs> plus? So you want seven plus one bullets? Yes, I will take them because. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, leave. Awesome. Um, yep. Also, the houses that we search, I'm just going to put a token on just to say that yep. we searched them. Yep. Um, and so, you exit back out into the crumbling street and decide to search the house directly opposite it. Please roll another D100. Uh, someone else roll it this time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 14. There you go. 14. The interior of this building is almost completely empty. The only things left behind are broken uh, pieces of furniture and upholstery that are choked with weeds and dirt. Disappointed, make your way further up the street and search the next building. Please roll a D100. Go ahead. It's a... Four. A what? A four? Forty-four. Forty-four. Okay. As you explore the building, the wooden floor beneath your feet begins to groan and then suddenly crash! He collapses under your weight. I need all of you to make deck saves, please. Why does everything I touch fall apart? Because this is falling, does that just revert to a 10 for me to pass yes, start hovering? It does, yes. Okay. Deck save is 18. Bobbit, with almost cat-like reflexes, rolls an 18. <laughs> I roll... Okay. Uh, 21. 21. Okay, did anyone roll below 12? I believe no. Sir Lucian did, sadly. Okay. So you all... You all Sorry, catch various pieces of debris. 
prey and grab onto them to stop falling, but Sir Lucian screams as he plummets 20 feet down into the basement and takes oh. 7 points of bludgeoning damage. Oh, is my... Uh, oh, audio is working. Okay. Yeah. While you're down there, Sir Lucian, roll a d100, please. Sorry? While you're down there, roll a d100, Sir Lucian. Oh, you still found a thing. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not dead. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah. you know, like the Homer going through like you know, like five different floors ago. I think I have to go again. The blindfold came off. Yep. Yep. And unfortunately, even though you've fallen down into the remnants of some old cellar, it appears to be completely empty, save for a large uh, wooden wine cask that has nearly collapsed with age, and you could just make out the lettering on the side that reads, Cooper. What <laughs> <laughs> no. a bitch got everywhere! How? <laughs> he was dead, how, did he, how far did he reach before he died? He only had that wine crap for like less than a year. And so I will just let you know that what happens is if you roll the collapsing floor, the floor collapses, and then you roll again, and it's entirely possible to get collapsing floor again and again and again. Oh god, he could have just kept going. Yep. It's just somehow there's like a 15 level basement between this friggin' floor. You just hear, oh, bud. Oh, bud. It just keeps freaking going. <laughs> finally, oh my god, that's amazing. Finally, somewhat satisfied with your searches of the building so far, you reach your destination. Smoke drifts lazily from a walled compound. The gate lies in splinters, and scorch marks inside the compound to face the buildings. Near the centre of the compound is a plaza littered with charred human corpses. One of the corpses is being torn apart by a pack of wild dogs, and as soon as they see you, they look in your direction, raise their tails in the air, and scatter into the surrounding ruins. <laughs> so, you can see like a cat-like growl come out from Bobbit while looking at these dogs. <laughs> Just... Okay, cool, cool. Just charred corpses. Can we find anything on said corpses? You may make investigate checks. I can uh, do that. Can I do anything with a passive of 17? Yes, you can, but um, <laughs> yeah, still, would ask, still would ask someone for an investigate check. I got none that 20. Okay, so Bulb, as Bobbit and the others begin to search the compound, you take in the charred corpses in front of you and count that there are at least 30 of them. Meanwhile, Bobbit, you oh. and the others investigate each of these corpses in turn and discover that uh, 20 of them wear the armor and gear of mercenaries. They all appear to be human of both genders. Their armor is quite ill-maintained, covered in rust, and some of it broken, spattered with mud and blood. Seven of the corpses appear to be those appear to be those of guides wearing the garb of the guide 
the guide guild in Port Nianzaru. Emblems emblazed into their robes, similar to the ones that Mujarib and Salida showed you back when you hired them. Three of the corpses appear to be more notable than the others, as all three of these corpses wear bright red robes, and their heads are bald, all their hair shaved off, and instead tattooed with purple-coloured rings and insignias across their scalps. Oh. Um, okay. uh, can I do... An intelligence check? You may do uh, you may do an arcana check, Bol. Arcana? You want me to help with that? Ah, yes please. <laughs> that was an eight. Okay. <laughs> Blimey house. Oh, do you want me to actually just roll myself? Uh, do your own roll. Yep. Probably <laughs> the best. Uh, 23. Based on their garb, their shaved heads, and the tattoos, you quickly identify them as red wizards of Bay. Yep. The Red Wizards of Thay, having a rather nasty reputation amongst those who study the arcane, being bloodthirsty, power-hungry arcane practitioners from the mageocracy of Thay, a nation ruled by liches. And Paul just says all that back to the rest of the group or reminds anyone who hasn't heard of them. You don't know what they're doing here in Omu, but the fact that they are here in close proximity to the Soulmonger can only mean bad things. Yeah, Bob just sort of goes, yep, power-hungry half-lich characters that just want to try and destroy things, and just stares at Mr. Stick and goes, why does this sound so familiar? (laughs) (laughs) Then anyone just cringes and just braces for what's going to come? Yeah. You could attempt a medicine check on the corpses to see how they died, if you like. Oh, I can do that. I was going to say, that's probably a good... Uh, good uh, I'll try that yeah. as well. Blow it doesn't do That no, is what? a 17 for medicine. 17? You notice... I got an 8, yep. because I got a net 1. You notice <laughs> that most of the corpses are covered in what appear to be bite marks, portions of their skin torn away, revealing the flesh and bones underneath. And this, combined with the lines of... lines of tracks leading in and out of the walled compound, suggests that they were attacked by the undead. Oh. Yeah, lovely. That's... Demon just looks over to uh, to Bobbit. Why? <laughs> Do you know anything about does or does Mr. Stick know of many other ne- necromancers in the that would be in the area we need to deal with, or is it just bonus, Mr. Stick? Mm, and Bob just looks at Mr. Stick going. Ah, are these yours or are these people followers of yours? Mr. Stick says. Not mine, per se, but perhaps mine, if you know what I mean. <laughs> just another sigh, just going, they probably worship the other ass in the sea. There is one last thing of note in the compound. A glaive has been thrust into the remains of a burned-out pyre. Charred snake skulls and blackened inhuman vertebrae are lashed to the spear. On the wall, Jesus. on a wall nearby, a symbol has been daubed in ash, a snake curled in a spiral, 
gripping a circle in its jaws. Bobbit, please make a religion check as you see this. Ooh, that's about as close to a nat 20 as I can get. That's a 26. So you and Ava both immediately recognise this as the sigil of Dendar the Night Serpent devouring the world, the god worshipped by Yuan-T. Yay, god. Wait, serpent that wants to eat the world, are you sure not dealing with uh, Norse mythology instead? Yeah, I know what you're referring to, but no, this one is, this one is not, uh, doesn't eat the world in a good way. Yeah, this thing's probably just evil as all shit. <laughs> Dendar the Night Serpent, you know him to be an evil god worshipped by Yuan-T, and essentially all their religious practice serves to eventually summon Dendar the Night Serpent into the material plane so that he can devour the whole world. Which, you're, which, in some odd way, is said to bring glory to the UNT. Mm. Odd people. Very odd people. I'd like everyone to make perception checks, and Bobby, you may make it with advantage because it's a listening check. Oh, good. Uh, oh, that's, uh, that's 23. A... Why 16, but... <laughs> why is it I have advantage and I can't roll higher than a 10? That's a 7. <laughs> well, it's kind of just lost. It clearly just lost with her own thoughts. At this point. Hey, that's me with charisma. <laughs> that's yeah. okay. The group check got passed thanks to oh, Zin, yeah. Horn, and Bulb. And as you study this, the aftermath of what has clearly been some sort of battle, you hear a voice... Is anyone out there? Help! Help! A muffled voice emanating from under a fallen section of wall to your right on the very edge of the compound. Mm -hmm. Should we go and check? Not a ton of trust, but Bubba wants to help. As you approach the falling wall, the voice grows louder. Please! I can hear you talking out there! Help me! I've been trapped under here for days! Who are you and how did you get here? My name is Orvex Okramas. I am a scribe for the wizards. Please, I ran here to hide during the battle, but the wall collapsed and I've been trapped! Uh, I want to help, but I don't know. I've been fooled a lot. <laughs> uh, I, I would like to go and help, but I can't. The collapsed, the collapsed section of wall is rather large. It appears to be. It appears to have fallen over and covered a series of latrines that have been dug into the dirt. Um, there are scorch marks around the edges of the section of wall, and looking up you could see the remnants of the building that it was broken off, also covered in scorch marks. If you had to have it a, hazard a guess, a misplaced fireball or something of the like broke this section of wall away and caused it to tumble down into the compounds below. 
guess we might get a closer look at this guy who's currently underneath. You can't um, see him. You can't see can him. Can I... Can I place seeds? Strategic, like, every foot and a half around the outside of this... Um, slab. Yep. Cast druid craft to make them sprout, and then cast plant growth on specifically them to lift the stone yep. slab. The seeds burst, and tiny trees begin to shoot out of them, lifting up the wall. The wall begins to bend and strain after their weight until, with an ear splitting crash, a crack starts at the bottom and quickly makes its through makes its way through the middle of the wall tearing it asunder into two pieces and underneath you see a very small framed man wearing a brown tunic towering in what appears to be a dugout latrine he notices that the wall is broken and feebly crawls out from under the wall Okay, he does this guy have the marking on his head like the other... He looks up at you, and you see a balding human in his early 40s. His hair is not being shaved off. Instead, what's left of... Instead, his scalp is pockmarked with patches of white hair. All he has left. He sports a magnificent white beard, and... His bottom lip trembles as he looks up at you, waiting to see what you'll do to him. But does he have the mark on his forehead like the others? No, he doesn't. Mm, still looks and goes, You don't have the mark on your head like those day wizards. He says, I'm not a red wizard. I merely serve as their scribe. Uh, they've been paying me well. I've been translating writings they find from tabaxi to common. Oh, you speak to Bexy. That's fine. So does Bobby. He looks up at you. He says, "Do, uh, do you mean me any harm?" Uh, not if you don't mean us harm. Bobby has been dealing with a lot of betrayal lately. As long as you play nice, so will Bobby. He climbs to his feet, brushes some dirt off the front of his tunic, and then holds up both of his hands to reveal he's holding nothing. And then he narrows his eyes, he says, You're not in league with the snakes? No, most definitely we, not. We just had a uh, very unfortunate run-in for them. He breathes a huge sigh of relief and then shuffles his way over to what seems to be the remnants of a campfire a few metres ahead of you plonks himself down on the floor in front of it and starts smashing two rocks together to get a fire started. He looks over uh, at you. He says, <laughs> I'm exhausted and starving. You wouldn't happen to have any food on you. Zinhorn just goes over and just jewel casts the fire, lights it. He smiles. He says, thank you, friends. Now, uh, I could really go for something to eat. I've been trapped under there for several days now. I reckon could go get you some snake, we can we get lots of that. Uh, I don't have good berries, so I can't cast any. I actually have a good berry. Yeah, we've got... Uh... I mean, theoretically, if you cast it, then we don't need to eat today anyway. Yeah. 
because we'd eat that as well. Yeah, you could give him one good it berry. Is, it is a first level spell that you would be using. Yes. I've got. If I do it, I'll have one first level spot left. You could oh, give him a. You could also give him a ration if you want. Well, now that we have less people taking the rations, so of one less person. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Give him a ration, I guess. I'll let the guy stab I'm sure he'll take you. Holds out, you holds out a packed ration, Dad. He looks up at you with gleaming eyes and snatches it out of your hand. Begins to bite the wrapping open desperately and then shovels some of the bread into his mouth without even putting anything on it. Takes the dried out biscuits and meat, chews some of gobbles some of them down raw and then places the rest in the fire. Ah, oh, thank you, thank you, he says as he wolfs down the food. Ah, oh, I already can feel the life coming back into my tired bones. So, what were you doing with the Fey Wizards if you're not a member of one of them? He says, the, f the Wizards of Fey have come here uh, searching for a place they call the Tomb of the Nine Gods. Mm, and for what reason? He says, well, they haven't been entirely up front with me, but I've overheard some conversations. They believe the source of the Death Plague to be here, and for whatever reason wish to acquire it. Uh, when I pushed further, I was told that it was for the good of humanity, and oh, that I not should not good. worry myself about it any further. But they did require my services to translate to Baxi. You see, the entrance to the tomb is locked and requires nine puzzle cubes to open. Each of these puzzle cubes can be acquired from a, shi from a shrine in the city devoted to one of the Omuan gods. The there puzzle is some cubes are the key. He nods and he says... The wizards of Thay who survived the battle are, as we speak, searching the city to try and claim the puzzle cubes from the shrines. As I understand it, each shrine has its own puzzle or test that must be overcome before a puzzle cube can be claimed. How many? Says there's nine, one for each Omu and God. However, no, 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 no. How many do you have with you? He says, well, the wizards of Thay arrived only a few nights ago, and our first night that we camped here, we were attacked by Yuan-Ti and hordes of undead, with strange red triangles carved into their heads. As such, the wizards of Thay have only had. About a day's head start. There's no way for me to tell how many puzzle cubes they would have located in that time that they could have anywhere between none and all of them. Would you happen to know an Eric? Eric, he says. Hmm. Indeed, yes, I do believe one of them did have that name. And then uh, I'm assuming another one has an initial starting with V. He says, yes, yes, that is correct. Mm -hmm. That would be, that would be Victoria. 
she seems to be the leader of the group, or at least when they confer, they ask for her ideas before deciding how to proceed, and her word carries a lot of weight. I believe they decided they were going to split up to search the city separately, each of them taking guards with them. He looks around, surveying the corpses. He says, I dare say none of our living mercenaries made it, but these red wizards have guards of their own. Flesh golems, other constructs, and things of that nature. Flesh golems? So, were you with the group when they made those messages at the gatehouse? He says, yes, uh, uh, we did pass through the gatehouse and there were messages there, but none of the wizards left any messages. They must have returned that way at some point after the battle. Hmm. He says, I'm not sure what for, as uh, I studied the city extensively, be- extensively before we arrived and was able to mark down the locations of most of the shrines. Hmm. Well, it's going to hold out a map and go, can you point them out on, can you point out where they are on this map? He takes your map and as he looks at it, he says, he says, did you draw this yourself? Lovett found out she has a knack for it. He smiles and he says, it is remarkably detailed for a child's work. Consider me impressed. And then he marks some locations on the map to the uh-huh. east of... To the east of here, Shigambi's Shrine. To the west, Kubazan's Shrine. To the north, Aijin's Shrine. To the northeast, Unk's Shrine. To the east further from that, Obelaka's Shrine. Finally, the eighth, finally, the eighth shrine, in the flooded portion of the city, Papa Zottel's shrine. The eighth shrine appeared to be the last when we searched for the ninth. Sh- oh, and of course, in the southern portion of the flooded part of the city, Nang Nang's shrine. Hey, Nang Nang. The ninth shrine, when we searched for it, appeared to have been destroyed and the puzzle cube taken. A tablet in old tabaxi simply said that the tablet had been given as an offering to the King of Feathers in his nest in the amphitheatre. Well, the good news is we're going to have a chance to get a lot of rations. Yes. Hooray! (laughs) Papa likes rations, don't mean (laughs) He then Bad says, giant Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> he then says, it means nothing to me who gets the puzzle cubes first, so I assume you'll be heading out immediately and racing the red wizards to these shrines. He says, but before you go, I must ask, do you know the legend of Omu and its gods? Actually, that's a good question. Would I? He says, as, uh... You, Bobbit, actually would not know because Omu was called the Forbidden City 
during uh, the height of the Cholton Empire, yeah, and as an enemy of Mesro, yeah, <laughs> as an enemy of Mesro, it was forbidden to speak of it, as Uptow had turned his back on this city and its degenerate no. populace. No, Bob doesn't know. Tell! Orvex sighs, and he fumbles around the campsite next to him, retrieving from under a pile of rubble a small leather backpack. He opens it and pulls out several pe several broken stone tablets covered in what you can tell is tabaxi. He runs his finger over them for a moment and says, We found these as we entered the city in the remnants of some sort of temple. I spent the majority of our first day here translating them. Uh, if you please, he clears his throat, <clears throat> and begins to read from his translated notes. Stories of Omu's nine tricks to gods died with the Omuans who worshipped them. However, in their time, they wrote a lot about their gods, including the story of how they came to be. Long ago, the god Uptau hardened his heart and vowed to weep for the people of Omu no longer. The rain stopped, the jungle withered and died, and death swept through Omu. One morning, a wise Zorbo emerged from her hollow tree and spoke to the dying Omuans. To convince Uptau of their worth, she decided to cook him a stew made from all their good qualities. Catching such virtues wouldn't be easy, so she asked a wily Imalar Almirage to help her. The Almirage snuck recklessly in the pot, snuck recklessness in the pot, which she saw as a virtue, and so Abtau spat out the stew when he tasted it. From that day on, Obalaka the Zorbo and Aijin the Almirage became terrible enemies. So Obalaka is a Zorbo, and Aijin is an Almirage. At noon, a brave Kamadan hopped down from her rock. She saw the evil in the Omuans' hearts and decided to lance it like a troublesome boil. The Kamadan fashioned a holy spear, but she left it by the riverbank, and then a crafty rung stole it. In her range, in her rage, Shagambi the Kamadan forgot all about the Omuans and chased Nang Nang the Grung forever across the sky. <laughs> When evening came, a wily Iblis stepped from his reed hut. He didn't like the Omuans, but without them, he'd have no one to play his tricks on. The Iblis sent a marsh frog to reason with Uptow, but the frog was angry and decided to wrestle the god instead. This amused Uptow, so he gave the frog tentacles to make it stronger. When Kabuzan, the frog Hemoth, returned to Papazotl the Iblis, he chased Papazotl into the swamp with his new tentacles. That night, a Sioux monster broke into Uptar's palace and stole a pail of water for the Omuans. When the god came running to find it, the Sioux monster hid a pail in a Jakuli's burrow. Uptar asked the jungle animals where his water was hidden, and Moa the Jakuli was too honest to lie. When Wongo the Sioux monster found out how Moa had betrayed him, he vowed to catch the Jakuli and eat him up. All the while, Unk, the flail snail, lived deep beneath the earth. 
The noise of the other animals fighting made her slither up to the surface, and when day dawned over her shell, the light blinded Uptow and made his eyes water. Life returned to Omu, and the people built shrines to honor the nine animals who had saved them. Would you like me to put that uh, in the please, Discord for you? Please, please. Yeah, please. <laughs> I would never be able to keep up with that, even if I wanted to. I was trying, this my... <laughs> So you can add it to your notes. And so it seems to identify the names and species of all nine of the minor gods. Just putting it up in Discord now. Those gods, from what you can tell, being... Oh, God. Uh, being Obelaka the Zorbo... Ijin, the Almirage, Shigambi the Kamadan, Nangnang the Grung, Kabuzan the Froghemoth, Hapazotl the Eblis, Wongo the Sioux Monster, Moa the Jakuli, and Unk the Flail Snail. I'm sorry, that Flail Snail one just hurts me. <laughs> oh, so Moa. Is honesty. Hmm. Oh. Orvex. Orvex finishes reading and then he crushes his hand through the air and he says, Of course, it's up to you how much of this you are to take with a grain of salt. In fact, uh, many scholars would argue that the nine so called gods of Omu were not gods at all, just particularly powerful jungle spirits that moved in and captured the minds of the degenerate populace after Uptow turned his back on them and their clerics no longer were granted spells. Hmm. I mean, witness stuff of like Ning Ning and whatnot, so... Hmm. Uh... And so for each shrine you go to, I'll let you do a check to see if you recognize what species of animal it is and tell you all about it. Or you could just ask what? me at any time what species was blah blah blah, and I'll give you a check. Hmm. Uh. Oh, what the hell is a Zorbo? <laughs> what the hell is a Zorbo? Very well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, make a nature check, please. I was going to say, it's a really fun dance. <laughs> and nature, 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 is a plus five, so 15. Zorbos were small carnivorous creatures native to Cholt. They are typically around three feet tall and covered in grey fur. They have sharp teeth as well as sharp claws on both hands and feet. They best resemble tiny bears that live in trees and drop what? down onto unsuspecting prey to tear oh. their flesh off their bones. Oh my god, they're literally drop bears! <laughs> I'm glad I asked about that one. I'm glad you asked about that one. In the distant land of Shaolung, you've even heard that there is a variety of sorbo that resemble panda bears. Oh. It's so they're, not, they're not dangerous at all because they just they do nothing all day and eat. <laughs> they're clumsy. Yeah. 
I'll leave you to it, says Orvex, as he hands you the backpack containing the tablets and his translations. He says, I'm... Yep. Bobby is curious about something. Go ahead, he says. Just in an odd voice goes, what's a flesh golem? He says, well, it's a construct that the wizards make, where they essentially attach a series of body parts together and give it life. Oh, ghastly thing to look at, but as long as it serves as their guard, docile enough. He shudders, and he says, I'm going to... I'm going to eat the rest of this food, and then I'm going to find Victoria's sleeping bag and catch a nice nap. You have fun discussing those tablets and racing the wizards for their cubes. As soon as I get up, I'm hot-footing it out of this city and getting back to civilization. Hmm. Not much fun for civilization myself, but I do not blame you. He brushes his hand in the air and he just says, To each his own! And then shuffles away to a portion of the campsite. The portion of the campsite where you can see tents and sleeping bags just scattered around, half covered in dirt and mud and blood. And he extricates a bright red sleeping bag from under a pile of rubble and departs with it into one of the tents, pushing the tattered flap closed behind him. And within seconds, you can hear coming from inside the tent. Hmm. Well, that was a fun info dump. That was. Is there anything else you would like to know and roll? Uh, not really. <laughs> I'll do it as we need to do it, yep. I guess. And so your map has been marked with the locations of the shrines. Nine puzzle cubes await out there, one for each god, and the red wizards already have a day's head start. There's no way to know which shrines they've been to until you get there, so you'll have to just pick and choose and hope you get lucky. But with that, as I leave you all to reflect on that info dump, we will conclude this week's session. That's fair. <laughs> that is fair. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of uh, dungeon crawling for next week, so much excitement. Yes. And yes. you can bet Bob is going to be walking into every single fucking house. Yeah, along the yeah. way. Of course, <laughs> of course. Okay, yeah. um... Get those dice ready. Yes. So, mm -hmm. I have prepared all of these shrines. They are all prepared. So next week, you could just pick whatever order you want to do them in. Sweet. And hope you can get those, uh... Hope you can get those puzzle cubes. Uh, it is about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and so... You will not be able to have a long rest to end this session unless you want to sleep the day away and travel in the night. But not particularly. this ruined campsite appears to be relatively safe, at least for now, so it might serve as something of a base camp that you may return to in between shrines if you need to catch your breath or rest. Mm -hmm. And so that's it for this week's session. You made it into Omu. 
had Selida's ultimate betrayal and discovered yeah. the task that lays ahead. At least, what you have to do, as you have no way of knowing how many of the cubes have already been acquired, if any, and what awaits for you in each of the shrines, save for the amphitheater, where you know the King of Feathers awaits all challenges. Yeah. So with that, I'd like to thank everyone who joined us, especially uh, thanks to Crodex13 uh, for the follow, and a cloaked gamer for the raiding party of three. Hey, thank you. Ooh, nice. And for the members of the party who followed, I hope you enjoyed uh, what I hope you enjoyed today's session. And uh, we'll be back next week for more exploring in the Forbidden City of Omu. And we'll be back tomorrow for the start of our new Call of Cthulhu campaign, Terror of Sothogua. Uh, <laughs> Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, don't trust the snake people. Grr. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.